You're listening to the Ranger Things Podcast. to ranger things we're recording on sunday super bowl sunday february 11th uh, 2024 i'm carlo montagnino and i'm joined by brendan lyons hello and dave pacheco your number one ranger fan is back buddies back from the sad boy depth oh God. As always, you can visit rangerthingspodcast.com and subscribe for free to get access to content, newsletters, and more. You can also follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search Ranger Things Podcast. We'd love for you to be a part of the show, so send an email to contact at rangerthingspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show using your favorite podcast service, and if you do, we'd appreciate your ratings and reviews. Let's get into it. Next week, we have three games. The big week, uh, Monday versus Calgary, Thursday versus Montreal, and then one week from today, February 18th, Stadium Series. The big one. The big one against the Islanders. You guys, My jersey gets here tomorrow. Oh, sick. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm glad that you're getting it before the game actually takes place. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm getting it before the game actually takes place, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Well, I'm always gonna get jacked up for an outdoor game. I think outdoor hockey is fucking awesome. There should be so much more of it. Yeah, I agree. Amen. I'm gonna completely force all my in-laws to watch the stadium series next week. As you should. Shut up! Watch the fucking game. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it'll be a fun game. It's not competitively. I'm sure it's gonna be a barn burner because the Rangers play down to everybody. Uh, but the Islanders have a little bit to prove here, too. So I think it, it'll be an exciting game. Um, the quality of hockey outside of the competitiveness is going to suck. It's an outdoor game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it'll be nice to see uh, how they have the stadium set up. I haven't seen anything about it yet, like what it looks like or what it's planned to look like. Me neither. Not at all. But I guess we'll get a sneak peek. The Devils game uh, is first, right? That's the yeah. first game. Yes. We're That's the, second. the 17th. Yeah, so I don't imagine they're going to change much, if anything. Yeah, probably not at all. Going into the second game. Maybe just, there might just be different logos on the field. Obviously, there'd be different logos on the field, but that would be it. So, Brendan, your household has, like, back-to-back stadium series games. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. like, a big weekend? Like, you you have anything planned Uh, for it? We haven't really talked about it, but I'm sure we'll do something. I mean, we're obviously going to watch. I don't know. I'm going to watch. We'll both, we'll definitely both watch the Ranger game. Uh, Sandra's weird about watching Devils games in the house. She's convinced that she's a jinx, <laughs> so she doesn't watch. The and I'm like, they're losing. They're losing either way. Like, yeah, you might as well just watch the games, you know. But she <laughs> got her Devils jersey. She got her Stadium Series jersey. Nice. Uh, I'm not sure if that's gonna get in prior to the games. I hope it does for her. Who she get? Uh, she got Timo. Okay. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, she's not happy. I'll say that. She's not happy that she's... she was she forced to get Timo. It was either Timo or Dougie. Okay. Mm. She wanted Jesper Bratt, but they didn't make that available. First of all, let's can we dig into this for just a second? Yeah, of course. Uh, Absolutely. 
the Devils are it's the, it's their show. The, this stadium series, it's their show. They're the fucking headliner of this stadium yeah. series. And I I feel honestly I feel awful for Devils fans because they're the fucking headliner of the stadium series. Their fans got super fucking jacked about it. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for these jer- like all of us for these jerseys to drop. The jerseys finally drop. The only authentic jersey available for them to buy is Jack Hughes. They have no other authentic jersey available to buy but Jack Hughes. And, I mean, they've all already got a Jack Hughes jersey. Sanders got three Jack Hughes jerseys. You know? Uh, so it's only Jack Hughes and the Adidas. Everything else is a garbage Fanatics jersey. And their only options there are Hughes, Heischer, uh, Timo, and Dougie Hamilton. What I don't understand is Jesper Bratt is your he was your team's submission to the All-Star game. Right. Yeah. And you don't you're not gonna release his stadium series jersey? Did they even have his all-star jersey available? I don't know. Those jerseys are garbage, so I don't think anybody yeah, it's a garbage jersey anyway. But this <laughs> is a they major... looked good on the ice. They did look yeah. good on the ice. I don't know if it's the devil's organization or if it's the NHL or if it's NHL shop, Mm. whatever it is, but this is a major L major L somebody dropped the ball big time with the Rangers jerseys. Like, I mean, you have Panarin, Zibanejad, Shesterkin, and that's in Fox. That's your option. And then Truba and Miller. I wanted a Trochak. Miller. I can't find the Miller jersey for anything. Miller sold out immediately. Really? I wanted a, I wanted a Trocheck in this jersey, but I had to get a Zibanejad. Yeah, but it, it's like I mean, all fine players, you know, not criticize. It's not about the player, but it's about just the selection. Like I guess, like I said, everyone's got ten Panarin jerseys. Everyone's got ten Mika jerseys if they want them. So it's it's just I just better off just buying blanks at this point. But then you miss out yeah. on really cool numbering. And the na- like, yeah, that's a, that's a big aspect of the jersey, the numbering yeah. and the nameplates. Those are cool parts of these jerseys, and you just see the completes it. Letters. Yeah. yeah, and here's an here's some other bullshit. So the fanatics jersey that comes with both the uh, team logo and the stadium series logo. Mm-hmm. The Adidas jersey only has the team logo. You have to buy the fucking stadium series logo. Separately for forty bucks, or no? Yeah, yeah I think it was like thirty nine ninety nine. Well, I bought it obviously, but now because I can't have the correctly. fucking jersey without the patch. But that's right. Yeah, that's correctly. That's my, my one of my one of my friends has a fucking sewing machine. She's she's legit, so she's gonna do it for us. Oh, that's nice. Nice. So. That's fucking crazy. All right, let's get away from this fucking stadium series. All right, all uh, right. not right. All right. So uh, let's. Uh, we had a we had an okay week. I think. Uh, right? Yeah, we're on a four to four game win streak, boys. We're on a four game winning streak. We got points in five, yeah. right? It, yeah. It's just it's just darkened back. Uh, you no. know what? I'm gonna challenge I, I, that. I'm gonna go ahead. Dave. All right. I just want to say a couple things. He may not be back completely, but two out of those three goals, uh, in in Chicago against Chicago, he was left hang, uh, you know, hung to dry. Like he, there was nothing. One was a deflection. And one to do was alone on the front. Absolutely. Right? You could so I'm gonna say the first goal and the third goal, absolutely nothing he could do about it. 
in the yeah. Chicago game. The second goal, you can make an argument. Maybe he could have made, you know, maybe better rebound control. But really, yeah. that was just a hardworking shift and a hardworking goal by Chicago. The team let down in the third period. Bottom line. And what that did was that took what was a very good week coming off the break. And even though we got three wins coming off the break, that third win against Chicago kind of felt like a loss. It kind of took a lot of the air out of their, out of their sales, right. out of my sales, out of a lot of fan sales. You, you know, you go on range of Twitter and, you know, we have, you know, we talked to Stat Boy Steven later on in this episode, uh, which was actually last night we talked to him. Uh, but oh, that should, conversation we mentioned that earlier. Uh, we should have mentioned that <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Well, we actually we did an awesome interview with Stat Boy Steven from Twitter last night. Uh, spent a lot of time talking to him about Ranger hockey and just about the league. And uh, you know, we all agree that that just it took it, it. It felt like a loss. It took a lot of the wind out of our sails, and it, it just it, it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Right. They, you know, they shouldn't have let him back in the game. And also the Rangers should have had about seven, eight goals in that game. Mara- well, you know, hands, you know, hats off to Morazic. Morazic stood on his head a bit. Morazic did a job. Morazic did a job. Morazic made yep. a couple of crazy saves. So I will say that. But well, defensively, uh, we completely took our foot off the pedal in the third period. Yeah. I mean, I Absolutely. agree with everything you guys have said, but we definitely let Chicago into that game. Shesterkin. He and I've said this for weeks. I've said this months ago. Go back into the archives. He's trying too hard. He's trying to do too many things. His puck handling is. He looks like Hank out there sometimes. Like it's bad. You know, he's making bonehead passes. He's trying to do too much. He's uh, he's a victim of the same shit that the rest of the team's been doing on you know in their summer, yeah. maybe not the past week. So I mean, it's he's he made more saves. And mm. we got the win. That's great. That, but that first goal, like you know, it, it was a screen. You know, it was a brutal screen. There's it was no a brutal way. screen. But the the and I, I tweeted this. The poetry of it going high gloved after all All Star Weekend, he was getting wrecked high gloved. Like ev- the the book is out on him. He's really got to fix this glove side thing. Yeah, he's got to work with Benny on that. He every he will just get exposed by any team with any gumption. I'll say this: if if we were to go back and watch that Chicago game, and you were able to take all the nerves out of it, because it was really it was sort of a cardiac kids kind of event, especially in the third, and it didn't have to be. But if you were to go back and watch that today, taking all the nerves out of it, because you know they're going to win, mm-hmm. and you just pay attention to Igor. Igor, his positioning was good. He made some really solid saves. He made some timely saves. Yeah. Uh, He punched a guy in the fucking face. (laughs) Yeah. That was good. You know, Uh, to me, I'm not going to say, you know, fucking take the day off of work, you know, plan plan the parade. Igor's back. But I think this was the... This was a good sign. Yeah, he had a really good first game, shake the rust off type of game back. And let's see what he does on Monday. I, I mean, I agree, but the the expectations going into this game were set too high. Valley mm-hmm. is leading the charge, saying make Igor angry. He wasn't angry. He was still rusty. Yeah, you know? yeah, and like, you it, know, it was, I like you, you came into the game like. 
Igor is going to make a statement tonight. He's going to get a shutout. He's going to play out of his mind. No, it was just like, you know, kind of a good a good performance from Shesterkin. He wasn't bad by any means, but right. good for good for this season. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, uh, the team in front of him kind of made it harder for him. But it was just and a par performance. I th- I think his his glove side troubles are going to get better if. And going to your point uh, about this before, Carlo, just recently, if he stops trying to do too much, so like if he's more focused on his positioning and where the play at the play is in front of him, his he'll ha- he'll have that he'll have the angle he'll have his he'll have his glove up where it needs to be to cut down on that weakness or that slowness of his of, of his glove hand, and he'll 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 be back to form if that happens if the defense doesn't let him down, uh, let teams that shouldn't be in the game back into the game. You know, th- th- there's a whole bunch of moving parts here, but yeah. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that he will return to some semblance of his best, oh, yeah. excuse me, best in the self. Yeah. It, it, I'm not, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm just regular old optimistic. I yeah. saw good signs. Yeah. He'll shake this off. Yes. It's just, you want it happening now. Yeah. Right. And, but you that's know, the thing. It's like he, we can't press and he shouldn't press no, yeah. to have everything done yeah. with the snap of a finger. You know, he, yeah. he do the work, do the positioning, mm-hmm. you know, just concentrate on, you know, on the moment. That's it. And I, and I will say his, the glove adjustment is so easy. When he said he keeps the glove out to his side, just, he's just got to bring it up and leave it mm-hmm. there. If he's got to make yeah, a save just, low, that's just so much it, easier than yeah. like picking it up all the way. Right. Keep it's easier to go down than to go up. Yeah, it's way easier. And you know, it, good stance has I the think. glove by your ear anyway. So yes. I think he, he just kind of has a little bit of a lazy arm there. I mean, it's not it is what it is. So it's kind of goalies he, with he's him. Bob Dole in it. He's Bob Dole hmm. in it. He's gonna fall off his stage. <laughs> and you know, to go to go back to something you said before about Valaket. I love Valaket and I understand what he's trying to do. But I think he's wrong. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't, you know, getting Igor mad is not the move. Igor is not Hank. Yeah. You know, yeah. Igor is far more, I don't want to say sensitive because that's not the right word. He's far more introspective. He, he's, you know. Uh, he's, a, he's a head case. It's, it's, it's not that he's a head case. <laughs> Hank, was, Hank was a head case too. All goalies but, in their own right are but, head cases. But Hank had fire. Hank was a perfectionist. But that's he not was a headcase. And and <laughs> right, no, but, but no, no. I I think I think that's different from a headcase. I th- I think no, being a Hank, perfectionist Hank's and, a and he hates he hates to lose. And I think that's an important component. And yeah. I think Stat Boy Steven touched on this. And when you guys listen to the interview, you know you know what I'm talking about. But I I, I obviously I think every goalie hates to lose. But I think. There was a certain fire with Wunquist, you know, that's maybe not there with Shesterkin, or maybe Shesterkin doesn't feel like he has that authoritative place to come from yet, you know. So I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the language barrier. Shesterkin is like this Russian novelist of a goalie. Like he's constantly right. self-evaluating and feeling yeah. and pouring it all. It's like, dude, like he's he's quiet guy. He's fun. You see him smiling, having a good time, but. He is really you can tell he is so yeah. in his own head. Yeah, he's, he's got he's, different buttons. He's got different buttons. Yeah. Right. He's a Dostoyevsky and, and Hank is a Kierkegaard. <laughs> yes. For, there we go. 
for you for you intellectuals out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. All zero of you out there. You're a fucking <laughs> bunch of idiots listening to us. We love you. Yeah, I just I okay. don't think I think getting I just think getting him angry just worsens the situation. I think he just drives yes. him deeper into the hole he's in. You know, he's the type of guy you want him loose. Yeah. You want yes. him smiling. You want him having fun. Uh, right. That's when he's at his best. Whereas Hank was very like Sandra used to joke and be like, "Oh, Hank has the blood of like Swedish children flown in, <laughs> and he drinks like that's his life force. That's how he stays so good." And that's, no, you know, who told her? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so like this goalie controversy. I mean, there is none, right? There's no. none. This was no. the plan. if you think Jonathan Quick should still should be starting. Just you're just you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. You're wrong. It's Igor's net. We don't have a hope without Igor. And the yeah. only way he gets out of this rut is by playing through it. Absolutely. So is, is, Jonathan, is Jonathan Quick playing better right now? Yes, 100 percent But Jonathan Quick is not going to play well enough to get us to the regular through the regular season and through a round of the playoffs. Well, here's the period. Thing. Stop. Yeah. Well, Jonathan <laughs> Quick's not even playing better. The team in front of Jonathan Quick is playing better. Yeah. And this is, I don't know, it doesn't matter the coach, doesn't matter the goalie, doesn't matter the team. For some reason, the Rangers always show up for the backup. They make Georgiev <laughs> look like a million bucks. They make Talbot look like a million bucks. Like these goal, backup goalies that we've had, they look phenomenal. And they're good, but they look phenomenal because the team plays in front of them. Well, and one of the one of the oh, differences that oh Shesterkin's in that oh we could take the night off. One of the differences between Shesterkin and Quick, kind of the same between Shesterkin and Hank, is that Quick can let up a god awful just stinker of a goal and erase it. Yeah, Comple- just completely erase it and shut the door. Because he's not a head case. <laughs> well, he's also been he's also been there. Dave. Yes, he's, yeah, you know, it's experience. It's, it's the experience. experience. It's, right. You know, people forget that this is only Shesterkin's fourth year in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we got really lucky with Hank. Yeah, and it really wasn't until what you're four or five or six where we were like, this guy might be the greatest thing we've ever seen in the guard. Right. I, I don't know, dude. He was he was averaging at least thirty wins a season. Right out the gate, Hank. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about going from like a great goalie because he's always been a great goalie. Yeah. I'm talking about being a great goalie to a goalie that you watch and you say, "Wow!" Like every yeah. night, this guy does something for you to be like, "Wow!" Right. Wow. He he was Apollo Creed. How did he do that? You know, it, it it's like what Apollo Creed said to Rocky at the end of Rocky Three. He goes. Stallion, you fight great, but I'm a great fighter. And it was true. Rocky That's Balboa true. wasn't wasn't a great fighter. He just fought great when 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 the time came to it. Apollo Creed was great his entire career. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on with my non great well, so non sequitur here. It's a really um, good analogy, actually. It's, it's, it's it a pretty really solid good. analogy. <laughs> uh, actually, so speaking of goalies, right? There is a bit of a milestone this week. Uh, oh yeah, Mark Andre Flory, play, the math, the mapper. Had his thousandth NHL game, and you know, I, I you oh, know, yeah. it's worth bringing up because 
this is a rival goalie that we've seen for the bulk of our hockey fandom. Um, yeah. A natural rival to Lundqvist. Um, yeah, so congrats. A division to, rival. A division rival. A Stanley Cup champion. Breaks my heart. Vesna winner. I mean, he's done it all. Seen it all. Um, yeah, uh, not much to say him. about this. I love, I love that it got to be against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I think that's yes. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Poetic you know, justice. K- kudos to the schedule makers for lining that up perfectly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And kudos to the coaching staff for giving him the start. Yep. Uh, yeah, that had to be a special night. I didn't, I didn't watch the game, but that had to be a special night. Yeah. So uh, here's a, here's a loaded question that I actually don't expect any real answers to. Uh, Quebecois goalies. You have Wa. You have Quebecois. Quebecois. You have Wa. You have Brodor. Hey, buddy. Do you have Flory after that? Yeah. Number three. I mean, they have. Yeah. They make the best goalies. They make the best goalies. Like how how many Stanley Cups are between those three goalies alone? <laughs> yeah. <Man. laughs> we looking at twelve. Yeah, twelve Stanley Cups or something like that. I don't know. My math's bad. All right. Um. All right, so let's not forget Louis Domingue. Quebecois. Domingue, Quebecois. <laughs> also Stanley Cup winner, right? Also Stanley Cup winner. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so okay, so some Ranger news, right? Uh, speaking, oh. getting back to the Rangers. Uh, Matt Rempe and Rempe and Adam Edstrom, Edstrom, were called Edstrom. up last night, right as yeah. we wrapped up with uh, Stephen. This is these are two big boys coming in, and yeah, we don't know what's like. We don't really know where they're gonna fit in. Um, there's ideas. Panarin's having a kid. Maybe that's happening. Maybe mm-hmm. someone getting waived. Maybe this is prep for a trade. Maybe oh Wheeler. <laughs> Maybe it's just <laughs> Rempy getting a look because still playing Calgary on Monday. <clears throat> okay, his hometown. Yeah, his hometown. And Drury's been really good about getting the young guys in the system in an NHL game in their hometown or on a special occasion. So so I was kind of excited for this, and then I saw a tweet from Molly Walker, and I want to go find it about – and this doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's the power play rushes that she saw in practice today. And uh, this is fantastic podcasting. Just give me a second here. <laughs> I think I think here. I saw this. Was it Pitlick is playing with the it's defenseman? The PP one. Oh, is was Fox Wheeler, Kreider, Brodzinski, and Zabanajad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then PP two was Gustafson, Panarin, Trocheck, Lafreniere, Kako. That is. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to explain to you how that makes me feel. Gustafson's a liability sometimes. Um, that that lone yeah. Tampa Bay goal this past week, that was a complete uh, botch play by him. He he never he never picked up his man. He let he let he let the other guy body him in front, and it was unacceptable. So I I don't know how I like that. It depends who's sharing the point with him. I assume uh, Panarin or Trocheck is going to be. Did you guys breeze right over the part where I said Blake Wheeler is on the top unit? 
Luke I, Wheeler I, is, ugh. I'm telling you, this guy is the most bang for your buck this season. I mean, Blake he, Wheeler he, has become like black mold <sighs> on this Ranger roster. He's just insidious. He will not go away. It's just his spores continue to just spread deeper and deeper into this team. He is cordyceps. But how but how do you like this is a Laviolette problem. He keeps playing him. But I know. Yes. But it's who else do you play with that with in that power play unit? Who else do you put in the power play maybe he absolutely does not belong there. First line, like, Alexi Lafreniere. Okay, on the power play, but not in the first. The first line, Lafreniere is working with Panarin and Trocheck. Don't break that up, right? Throw Kako in the in the PP one, then. Why are you taking, a wheeler. the power Why play? Listen, I'm not arguing the power play. This is a bad Panarin and. and Listen, we just need to get Blake Wheeler off this fucking team. Honestly, it's let like, the kids. Let the kids play. Too, uh, Mika was the problem with the power with the top power play unit, and he took everybody but Mika off the power the top power play unit. Yeah, I, I don't. He, I just I, I don't get it. So, in my I have some years of managerial experience, and this is what I know exactly what's happening. I'll tell you. You have a, an underperformer, right? Not living up to expectations, and you need to build a case to say oh, okay. Hey, you know, Miki's a manager making X amount of dollars. He has X amount of prestige on the team. He's a name. He's selling jerseys. We need to build a case. We're doing everything we can to get Mika going. And having this power play one unit and having Mika on an island there, if they, if they, he can't turn it on here, then it's like, you know what? Now we know for sure Mika's the problem. Mm. Now we have to do something about Mika. And we tried right. everything else. So he gets demoted. He gets less time. Whatever it is. And Laviolette doesn't look like a bad guy to fans. Doesn't look like a bad guy to Dolan. Doesn't look like a bad right. guy to the team. He's covering his bases. Just, okay. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. It. I hate That's, it so yeah. much. I've done it many times. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just I just hate it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. There's, I was in uh, I was in Stevens, you know, he does the spaces on mm -hmm. Twitter. And after we recorded with him last night, I, he opened up a space to talk about the call-ups. And I jumped in there, and there was a lot of speculation about these call-ups. Uh, we talked about Panarin with the paternity leave. We talked about Rempe, hometown. The question is, why replace LeCision with Edstrom unless it was to play? Like, why call these guys right. up if it wasn't to play? Well, I think I, I well, Pitlick sorry. was practicing the the lines he was skating with. He Pitlick's getting scratched. He's not playing Monday. It's almost a lot. Who's okay. who else is getting scratched then? Mickey's a manager. <laughs> I, <can't laughs> I hope. I I, I think Edrin is going to provide a big body, skillful hands, youth. I think that's you know that's what we need. I think there's a fire there. I think. They liked what he saw in his limited uh what he had one game, one game with yeah. the Rangers and then he got hurt or, or whatever. Um I think they like what they saw. They saw a flash of what could be. So I mm -hmm. think this is like this is gonna be a test run. And yeah. like Carlos said, managerial skills, they're building cases not just for Zibanejad, but for other players on the team, 
what's working, what's not, or who's working, who's not, and then seeing where they can plug these players in to give them, the, you know, the most chance of success. Well, now, now's the time to do it, right? You've got, yeah. yes. we're, we're, we're 52 games in. We've got 10 games until the deadline, which is just under a month away, and then 10 games, then 20 games after the deadline. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Lavulette and staff and Drury have 10 games to give Edstrom work, to give Rempe some work. And then in my opinion, they should also give Bedard some work. Not Bedard, Berard some work. Berard, yeah. You know, and see what they've got, see what they've got to see what holes they actually have to plug at the deadline. Well, I want to I want to say this about Rempe, and I'm saying this in the most positive and loving way. I love this guy's game; he plays well. When you watch him skate, he's a big, tall boy, but he skates like a duck on ice. It's not pretty. Whatever, hmm. but he can skate. It just looks Goofy. funny. <laughs> so when everyone starts going, "Oh, Rempe's skating needs work," no, he's fine. Just yeah. understand, he's like 17 feet tall. And has not put on the man weight yet, so he just looks a little bit uncoordinated. Well, I mean, if you go back to like the early years of Headman, that's what it looks like. If you go back to the early years of Chara, he looks like Gumby. Chara, yes. You know, like, it's it's very reminiscent of like that kind of like. That's what you know. Even that first that that skating, yeah. that game that Edstrom came up. That's what he looked like, and Edstrom's a very good skater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, but like it was like when I saw them play the monsters, it was noticeable. It was like, wow, like there is a difference, a visual difference. Like he got to the same places, he's fast. His edges probably need work. Like who the who's doesn't, but it's it's does a, he it's use his body? Thing. Does he use his size? Oh yeah, he's yeah, Rempy's good. Like he's he, he's he a size king. Deserves a look. He he's what? <laughs> he's a size king. He's a size Love king. It. I just had to get you to say that again. Um, <laughs> he's a little uh. sloppy, but he's a size king. Yeah. Um, no, I like his game. I have, I'm not criticizing him at all. I think he's great. Would you um, consider him an upgrade over Pitlick on the fourth line? No, I think Pitlick's experience and I think Pitlick's uh, strength is, it suits him better. It gives him the edge. I mean, Repi is big and strong, but he needs to get stronger um, i think edstrom is an upgrade over pitlick for sure uh yeah uh, i think so. I, I think edstrom can I, I know i know edstrom's a natural center but he can play the wing yeah uh and i think he's an upgrade over pitlick and i think mm-hmm. if he comes up and he has a couple of really good games he ends up making pitlick the 13th forward i could see that happening for sure yeah and I mean, our fourth line ends up being um vc goodrow edstrom, edstrom. Yeah. Which gives yeah. us a little bit of size, a little bit of you know, a little bit, a little bit of stride in that bottom six. Somebody mm-hmm. could, str- somebody can close in on the puck fast. We need that. We need yeah. somebody yeah. who could, who could close gaps really fast. Because you know the ice, the rink shrinks in the postseason. Absolutely, absolutely. And you need size kings. Hashtag size kings. <laughs> once, once, once the play, I, I was gonna try to work into like things shrinking. <laughs> Whatever you need to, you need to expand, the, you gotta need to ex- stretch out the space you're in. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but so just to wrap up my thoughts on Rempe, glad he got the call up, well deserved. 
uh, we're not going to see him getting any substantial time in the big boy club until next season. Like he's, no, he's I not think, there yet. I think this is a reward. He's, mm-hmm. you know, Drury is really great about starting guys. We talked about Steven a lot yet last night. I don't remember if it was in the episode or in spaces. It might've been both. Um, but Drury's really great about, you know, getting guys that, you know, giving them their nod at the right time. They're rewarding right. yep. them with their game at the right time, whether it's their birthday or they're in their hometown. Right. It's, it's so, a great morale booster. It, it shows that Hartford's like a legitimate club to be a part of. You want to go there because you, right. You know, and sort it, of the it, two, the two it, birds it, it, with one stone. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. Yes. No, it just shows that he reads the psychology and he knows that positive reinforcement always yields more reward than negative reinforcement. So, Carrot over the stick every day for these boys. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of two birds with one stone. If I'm some of the guys on this roster and I just blow a two-goal lead to the fucking mm. 32-ranked seed team in the league and I look over my shoulder the next day in practice and two fucking seven-foot-five guys <laughs> skate out onto the ice, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a little bit of a message. Mm. Yeah. San Francisco just went up in the fourth quarter. BTW. So I, I think you know, in the interest of keeping this one, this this episode short, so we have enough room for our conversation with Stephen. That was a great conversation, by the way. I'm really happy that he was on. Thank you, Stephen. Um, last night, again, as we were wrapping up the call, as we're all getting tucked into bed, Morgan Riley, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Rex Ridley Grieg of Otto, of the Ottawa Senators. Is that how you say so, his name? Grieg. Grieg. I don't know. Greg. 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 It's it's Greg. It's Greg. So uh, let me paint the picture. <laughs> so Greg to me. Um, the Ottawa's up on Toronto four to three, I think. Yep. Uh, Grieg gets a breakaway, empty net, does a, a slap shot, a big old from the hash, a slap shot from the hash. Scores the empty netter. Riley, who I want to say this now, has almost no penalties this season. Not a hothead. This guy is just by the book defenseman. Takes exception, cross checks Grieg in the face, and all you know, at, at you know, three seconds left in the game, you could imagine the mayhem that ensues. And the debate is going on like. Oh, Morgan Riley's crazy, or no, Toronto, he's standing up for Toronto because Greg should have done that, blah, blah, blah. It's outrageous. This is absolutely probably the most insane thing that's happened all week in the NHL. And I love yep. it. Yeah. And I know Brendan has press. absolutely awful takes on this, so I want to hear them first. You want, I have yeah. awful takes on I think you two have yes. awful takes on this. No, I, no. Here's what I think. I think that... I think that Greed was dead wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's undis- undisputable. Dead wrong. And a response was appropriate. But I'm going to rewind for just a split second to before the slap shot from the half, from the hash. Because okay. if you spin the camera around, you'll see a shot of Morgan Riley standing straight up at the red line, not skating at all. Mm-hmm. Because that's who the Toronto Maple Leafs are. The Toronto Maple Leafs aren't the guy who cross-checks 
this kid in the face because he disrespected their franchise. <laughs> That's not who they are. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of your highest paid players standing straight up at the fucking red line as a dagger's being thrust into your team's fucking chest. They are punks. They are soft. They are the Mr. Softy truck driving around the subdivision on a fucking summer afternoon. That's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now let's fast forward to the hit. Okay. Well, okay. Let me, I apologize. Cause that was good. That's a good take. <laughs> I, right. I just wanted to get you what fired he, up. <laughs> what he did. Absolutely wrong. But if you go back to 2015, Kessler did this exact same thing to the flames mm -hmm. when he was with the ducks. Yeah. Right. He did the exact same thing to the Flames. And you know what the you know what the guys on the Flames did? They dropped their sticks, they dropped their gloves, and they fought. Mm -hmm. And that's what should have happened. You take exception to this, Morgan Riley. I don't blame you. Anyone who's ever played hockey would have taken would have taken exception to this. Any one of us would have. Anyone would have. Mm -hmm. You want to take yeah. exception to this? You want to spark your team for the next game? You want to step up and be a leader? I respect it. Drop the stick. Drop the mitts. Challenge this kid to a fucking fight. Mm -hmm. See, I, I agree. I I think, and I, I'm not, I hope I'm not speaking for Carl too much, but like, I think we both agree with everything you just said. But it's the fact that the Maple Leafs are a soft franchise and a soft team that that's their appropriate response for being such bitches basically that's a bitch move mm -hmm. though a response was warranted he yeah, should have right. been blasted he should have he should have got punched in his fucking face greg 100 percent, 100 morgan riley should have punched his teeth down his throat and i would have had no fucking issue with it and more so i would have had no issue with every single toronto fan waving their fucking flag on it mm -hmm. yeah yeah. I would have been waving their fucking flag with them if that's what Morgan Riley would have done. But let me tell you something else about the city of Toronto and their fucking fans. And, and let me tell you something else about the fucking six. Their fans are just as soft as their fucking Degrassi fucking hockey team. Okay, wait, hold on. It's a are, soft are city soft with a soft fan with penis when he's trying to jerk it off on that plane. <laughs> yes, as it's soft a soft city. Implanted ads. It's a <laughs> soft city with a soft with a soft team and a soft fan base. When Kessler did this to the Flames in 2015, and he got his face punched in for it, moving past that, I said this was wrong. That's my firm belief. This is wrong, and you do not do this today on February Sunday, February 11th, the day of our Lord. February 11th <laughs> for the remainder of time. This is the way every empty net goal should be scored on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, yes. I agree. Until yeah. that franchise folds. This is the way every single yeah, empty net goal should fucking be scored on, on that baby shit soft franchise. Because if the, if the, as I, I said this on Twitter today and I will say it a thousand more times. If the roles were reversed, Imagine, imagine if Claude Giroux did that to fucking Austin Matthews. Imagine if Brady Kachuk did that to Willie Nylander. 
mm-hmm. what would be happening in sports in hockey media right now. Hockey yeah. media is trying to laugh this off. They're siding with Toronto. Yeah. Toronto fans and 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 I'm talking about big like big yeah, yeah. time X accounts, Instagram accounts, people close to the team are celebrating this. If the roles were reversed, if Brady Kachuk did this to Mitch Marner, right now that fucking duster plug uh, Paul Bizanette would be marching a fucking militia, the most well-mattered militia of fucking syrup slugging losers down the highway to Ottawa apologizing for the traffic they were causing along the way. Sorry. If they did this to a maple leaf. Uh, yeah. These yeah. fucking Tim Horton slugging pussies. Bleep that out. I'm not going to bleep it out. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you're right. And the problem is, this. I have like a couple points here. First of all, they are soft. And the real problem is they're so soft, they're so fucking shitty that they let the guy, like, not. it's not that they let him to a slap shot. They were in the position because Riley was on the red line standing up. The guy had all day to wind up a slap shot at the high hash marks. Yeah. Why did Greg feel Why? like he could do that? Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. One. Two, it's a rivalry, so maybe he would have tried it anyway, sure. But you don't you just still don't do it. You might you don't it's an unwritten it. rule. Yeah. And and thank you for saying that term unwritten rule. There is People complaining about oh, unwritten rules are stupid. Just follow the real rules. Who cares how you score a goal? The people who say that, and if anyone ever says that to you, punch well, him. You ever hear so? You ever hear someone say that? You just in your mind don't do anything physical. Just in your mind know that that person has never played a game competitively, be it right. hockey no. or Monopoly or, or go beer fish. pong. They've never had competition. Where when you compete with people, like any social interaction, there are unwritten rules. I don't there's decorum. There's decorum. decorum. It's just decorum. Dave, if I see you, I don't go fart in your fucking face. Like no. I wouldn't do that. It's an uh, there's there's no law against it. There's no (laughs) law against it. What kind of asshole? So there's that. There is a response needed. And Morgan yeah. Riley, this is where he fucked up. And I speak yeah. from experience. You want to cross-check him? Yeah. Cross-check him in the fucking bicep so that when you yeah. drop your gloves, he can't punch you effectively because his bicep is hurt. He's yeah. Bob Dolan. What the fuck are you doing, Morgan Riley? You, you want to be a tough guy? Know right. how to actually be a fucking tough guy so that right. you can be the tough guy and not get your ass kicked. Right. And also and the right way. Greek wasn't ex- expecting any kind of recourse for his actions. So that there that's a little bit of culture, shot, you know, so, naivety, yeah. you know, like right there. So like, well, dude, why should he? He's playing ex- Toronto. It's an unwritten rule. You don't take a slapper from the hash with three seconds left when you're o- the game is over. The game is over. You have the puck on a breakaway with less than five seconds left and you have a goal. You just tap it in. He did that to no rub way. it in on Toronto. He was he, right. He was, he was trolling. He he should have known that a response was going to happen immediately. And well, I'm I not think... victim blaming because he shouldn't have been expected a cross check, but he should have had his fucking head on a swivel 
Look he should have been ready. For, he should have. He. Should, I, I think he was ready for a response. He wasn't ready for a cross check in the face. No, I. I think he knew that he was being a dick, and yeah. he figured, fucking their fifth player, the fifth skater, their second defenseman, Morgan Riley, standing up on the red line. What the fuck's he gonna do? He doesn't give a shit about this game. Mm. Slap shot. Fuck you, Toronto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did it for. He they're at they're at home, Ottawa. He did it for his fans. Yeah, you know I don't like that he did it. I'm not defending it. I you don't do right. shit. But I see both sides. I mean, Morgan Riley should have been upset at himself. Yes. Totally, totally. But, and look, look, I am. I'm not. I'm not the type of person that's against the unwritten rules. I, I, I'm all for the code, the quote unquote code. Right. I got suspended for ten games for punching my own teammate in the face for cross checking somebody in the neck. <laughs> what, what, why would you do that? Because <laughs> it, because it's the code, I, and I didn't like the kid. Because oh, you don't okay. do that. You don't do that. You don't cross check people in the neck. Well, that brings me to my right? last point. Right? If this happened to the Rangers, and this is where I I'm going to defend Toronto fans, but I want you to hear me first. And they're lame because they're they're getting Zapruder Zapruder film levels of conspiracy theory on this. Like they're breaking. Yeah, oh, they're such they're so desperate to be victims. They have such yeah. a fetish for being a victim. It's oh. crazy. But I will say, let's, you know, if this if the Rangers were in this situation and Truba got a stick high on some guy who insulted our team, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, you know, eh, maybe a little dicey, but I'm glad he did something. And then I'm not going to speak about it after that. That's where the Leafs fans go wrong because they want to fight. Right. Right. I wouldn't be celebrating it. Definitely not celebrating it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, good. You made a response. And I don't like how many times. How many times this season did Truba have unnecessary fucking stick, you know, stick work on a player where I was like, whoa, okay, you know, that's kind of that's out of line. That's, you know. I re- you know I respect you you're my player I'm gonna back you but it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know condone that you know <laughs> you're not talking about the baseball bat swing right <laughs> oh you are well that's they had that video it's like this only got two games uh, uh, I wonder how much we're gonna get for this one probably ten uh, this is uh, how it is and this uh, right the NHL is they hate their most the, their biggest rev, source of revenue. Yeah. Imagine. Fuck the Leafs. Fuck yeah. their fans. <laughs> so yeah. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, that's good. All right. There was a fucking Leaf fan on Twitter today that like posted a picture of like Tony Soprano with like all of his like capos. And it was like the the five war the, like the five like the five different types of leaf fans the five the five <laughs> war chiefs of leaf fans coming together to defend Morgan Riley. So it's like first so I replied with a with a with like a picture of like the Degrassi cast, and I was like more <laughs> accurate. Like stay in the fucking lane, bro. Stay in your lane. That's not you, little bro. That's not That's you. So funny. What are they? They're delusional, man. Like Ranger fans they really are really delusional are. too. Like every fan is delusional. Every fandom can be, but Toronto but they're they're a, a special level. kind of delusional. They're oh a special gosh. kind of delusional. You know, I get it. We've only won two cups in eighty years, or whatever it is. Blah 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 blah. These motherfuckers have never won two rounds. They've never beat more than one team in the playoffs. 
They've never won more than two rounds, rather. Yeah. It's wild. In their history, they've never won more than two rounds. They suck. They just fucking suck. They suck. They, they suck. They suck. They're a loser franchise. Man. All right. Well, let's let's. I'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. We're gonna cut now. We're gonna cut to our, our excellent conversation with Stat Boy Steven. Yes. Stat Boy Steve. Uh, follow him on Twitter. All the plugs are there. It'll be in the show notes. Great conversation. Um, and then when that's all wrapped up, I'll I'll wrap it up from there. So uh, enjoy that interview. All right, today's guest is a CBA enthusiast and NHL prospect expert. And despite being a world away, he is a New York Rangers fan. We are excited to have Stat Boy Steven on the show. Welcome, Steven. How are you? Hi, Carlo. Thanks for having me. No, it's uh, it's been good. Um, you know, uh, busy season so far. I'm actually flying to New York this upcoming Thursday for the Stadium Series game um nice but yeah it's been uh it's been definitely a season worth talking about in in positive and negative ways so did you get your jersey steven no no i didn't uh well for multiple reasons uh one they still don't seem to sell them on the adidas website for, for some reason um and it would take far too long to ship it here to ireland so if i do get one i'll probably get one next week in new york steven i got I I, I, I want to know your thoughts. How do you feel about these stadium jerseys? I have very strong feelings about them. <laughs> okay, so um, out of the four that they released, I think the Rangers jersey looks the best. Mm-hmm. Really? really? Yes. I think the Islanders jersey is by far the worst. Agreed. Whoa. Um, <laughs> it's because they basically just got some old Oilers jerseys out of some warehouse. They, they ripped the logo off and put aisles on the front. That's, that's what it feels like. Uh the Flyers jersey is not a bad jersey, but it doesn't stand out. It looks like a generic Flyers jersey. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, I, I agree, Stephen. I, if, if I were to rate yeah. them, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish. So go ahead. Go if, ahead. You put, <laughs> if you put this Flyers jersey next to the the previous Flyers jerseys from outdoor games and take the patches off the shoulders, no one can tell which is which. No <laughs> one can tell which is from which year. That's my problem with the Flyers jersey. The Devils jersey I like uh, more than the other two because it's something different. You know, the the two-tone color, which we saw with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the past, and even the Flyers had it once. But then the Rangers, they finally moved away from the Liberty logo. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's already a big plus. Yeah. You know, instead of having another Liberty jersey, they actually went for something new. The Rangers have never had an NYR crest before. So finally, I can actually compliment them on doing something original so yeah yeah you know you've almost swung me steven i think <laughs> for me my personal favorite is probably the devil's one i just i like the color scheme mm-hmm. it's different the than contrast the red and the black yeah yeah i i like what they've done we were talking about this yesterday the three of us actually think that the third jersey might have been a stadium series concept that they thought was too nice to waste on one game uh, because it looks see, like I can see that, yeah. It, it it looks more like the Stadium Series jerseys than the New York Rangers submission to the Stadium Series. Yeah. But then I would say the New York Ranger one is a close second. I got my Zabanajad. It gets here on Monday. Uh, then I want to say the Flyers, but I have to put the Flyers in last place just because 
there's nothing unique about it. Like you said, it's it's just a Flyers jersey. It's very so good. I have to go Isles Flyers for me. Yeah, I, I I have the hottest take here. I like the Isles jersey the best. Yeah, because it it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it pains me. If if there was no association to the New York Islanders, that's actually something I would wear out. Okay, like so. So what you're saying is that you really like the Oilers jersey with the Isles lettering on. Yeah, the Oilers jerseys. Yeah, amazing. what a classic jersey! Like, who doesn't like it, that? It, it, that's basically well, what it is, right? It mm-hmm. is the Oilers jersey with just a different thing on the front. Like the jersey itself isn't bad. I just don't like the Isles lettering. If well, yeah, no, no. Dead, I, 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 I grew, I grew up with like Wu Tang and the big rugby shirts, and like that's what the yeah. Isles jersey brings to me. Yeah. You know? You know what would be cool if that was an Islanders jersey, and instead of Isles, if it was a Oilers jersey, and instead of Isles, it said Drops, and it had the oil drop in the O. That yeah. would actually be a jersey that I would wear. Mm-hmm. But this, like, you're getting into into like dangerous territory <laughs> because we know NHL teams don't like to take a lot of risks when when it comes to no. yeah. No. Is that like the NBA and the MLB over the years have gone really? Like like out of the box with with yeah. with their jerseys. Yeah, and actually, the NHL, the NHL just doesn't do that. Like uh, the, the reverse retro was so refreshing because the teams were forced to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Every team had one. I thought I don't think that has ever been done before, where they have an entire line for all teams in the league where they have to come up with something. So it forced you- teams to <clears throat> come up with with at least some kind of design. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know? You know what jersey I think should have gotten play on on the ice, uh, especially in the '90s when they did the um the black New York Rangers, the Rangers down the down the side. And it was just blue. the blue was just black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Um, kind of like the, uh, the 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 Dallas Stars have with their with their black and neon green. Yes, that, yes, that, yes. That yeah. kind of effect, but then with blue, I would have loved that. Yes. What Hell do you think yeah. of this, Stephen? I've always wanted to see. And maybe that's because I've I've always had a, like I've always loved I've always had a soft spot for the Detroit Red Wings. I've always wanted to see uh, red as the primary color for a Rangers yeah. alternate. They actually the helmet, a, red they jersey. At least the Liberty jersey in the nineties. It was a fashion jersey. It was yeah, yeah. the ice, but it was a red Liberty jersey. Um, but and I know why they won't because Ranger fans will identify the color red with the devils yeah. so they wouldn't right. want to wear red but look i grew up in the netherlands or in europe in general where in soccer teams have their home jersey which is just their, their colors and then their road jersey changes every year so my favorite team ajax for instance in the 90s they had a dark green jersey a purple jersey a gray jersey a light blue jersey and they get so creative but then in hockey it's especially the nhl they're very they're very cautious you know they're very traditionalist almost uh steven we've spent so many episodes complaining about the nhl just being no fun at all especially when compared to leagues like the nba but you know that's that's a whole other conversation (laughs) so if 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 i can say one thing about the nhl which is my biggest gripe with this league the lack of original content. If you look at the NFL with their NFL Game Pass, mm-hmm. they have all these documentaries, right? A Football Life, America's Game. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can watch like during the summer six weeks of documentaries and not run out of content. You haven't watched yeah. it. Mm-hmm. 
It's the same with NBA League Pass. Yeah, and then the NHL has has nothing. They don't have their own platform with that kind of content. When, like, one night I I uh, I was meeting up with a friend of mine in New York. We had some cigars and we had some whiskeys, and we decided to come up with some ideas. If we were in charge of like like media for the NHL, you could you can do so much. You can have a documentary mm-hmm. series about retired numbers, where you talk to Wayne Gretzky, who got his number retired around the league. Or you uh, have a, have an interview with Mark Messier, and they talk about how his numbers retired in Edmonton and New York. Or you make a documentary series about defunct teams, teams that no longer exist, like the Philadelphia mm. Eagles or um, the, the the New the, York the, Americans, the Cleveland Barons. You know, oh, uh, yeah. Another idea we came up with was uh, a tour of the thirty-two arenas. You because they have those drone videos that go through the arena, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's thirty-two videos right there. You can you can turn it into a series. <laughs> you know, I I think they were trending in the right direction with NHL TV mm-hmm. for a little while, yeah, yeah. and then and the ESPN lo- deal killed it. Yeah, and then the it, it, NHL TV was get, it got progressively worse over the course of two seasons, mm-hmm. and then the ESPN deal put it in the ground. It, but it's not and the ESPN just- deal is so bad that for us here in Europe, we cannot even watch games on NHL TV anymore, even though we don't have ESPN. Oh man. Yeah, so it's not that games, great for us here either. Yeah, there I mean, are games ESPN... blacked out when there's no alternative for us to watch the games. That's, how, that's why people watch it illegally. You know, yeah. I I use a VPN to log on to ESPN Plus, and that's how I watch my games. Yeah, but I, I shouldn't I, have to resort to a VPN to watch my games. I I so I'm a, I'm a, I'm based in Cleveland, and I'm I have ESPN Plus, and I still have to use a VPN. To well, I don't have to use VPN, but I still have to stream about twenty games a season illegally because I'm blacked out for Columbus games, I'm blacked out for Pittsburgh games, I'm blacked out yeah. for TNT games, I'm blacked out for mm-hmm. ESPN games. Yeah, so I just miss out on a ton of games. It's I know it's not even just ESPN Plus; it's the blackout law. Is that yeah? The NHL, it, it's like this is yeah, not, it's, it's, it's Chicago terrible. in the '90s. It's it's a it's a beautiful sport, but the NHL is the worst league. We always say they really are. Yeah. Oh, uh, you'll fit in right in, right with the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, I want to. You're a smart guy, right? And and I'm new to Twitter, so I'm realizing the smart guys about hockey are far and few in between. Um, and that's okay. We I don't like these. I don't like most of Twitter, so I'm happy you're here. But but I want but I want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, what happened to Corsi? Right, like this was a. I, I, we're not an advanced stats podcast. We're not, we like it, but we don't get it. We're I test is kind of where we're at. But anyone smarter than us, I just I, I'm just curious to ask like what it was the hottest thing ten years ago, and now it it's was. now it's just expected goals or uh, yeah. So, yeah, so what Corsi was was actually a very simplified, well, it's it's advanced analytics, but within advanced analytics, it was kind of simplified where Mm -hmm. it basically counts your shots on goal, your shot attempts. And um, and then there was also Fenwick, which excludes block shots. Okay. So we had Corsi and Fenwick, and then you would have shot attempts for and against when a player is on the ice. And that turns into a percentage. And if the percentage is under 50%, it's it's a negative. If it's above 50%, it's a positive. So if okay. you're on the ice for more shot attempts for than against, your Corsi rating would be like 56%. Okay. 
Um, but then over the years, as with a lot of things, the advanced analytics developed because Corsi doesn't take into consideration the angle from where you shoot. Mm -hmm. Because if you shoot it right in front of the net, that is a, that you have a higher chance of scoring a goal than if you are like on the boards or like a bad angle. So then they started to implement, uh, they call it low danger, mid danger, and high danger scoring chances, where they they basically divide the uh, the offensive zone into six sectors, and the sectors get a percentage attached to it based on the success rate around the league. So if from that area on the ice, 75% of the shots go in, you have a 75% chance of scoring. That's a high danger chance. But it's but all relative. Another sector would only be like a thirty-three percent. That's a low danger chance. Right. Steven, is that is that what Steve Aliquette's company does? Yes. Is, is uh, that so, that's? Did yeah, he create so, that? Did he create that, or is he just on the bandwagon with that? I I, I don't know if he created it. Uh, I don't know where it where it originally stems from. The whole high, medium, and low danger uh, chances metric. But I do know that Steve Aliquette and his company, Clearside Analytics. No. Uh, they track that. They have people actually watching the games and manually tracking scoring chances, but also based on what kind of chance it is. Mm -hmm. Is it a rebound? Is it a goalie error? Is it a clean shot? Is it a screenshot? Uh, and all that is take, taken into consideration. So, so thanks for that. That's That, that helps a lot because, you know, I think as I'm trying to understand, because, you know, you see a lot of stats and I'm like, well, you know, this player has a low rate, like Lafreniere, right? Like his expected oh. goals are way higher than his actual goals. And it's like, well, there's a lot of potential there, yeah. apparently. Um, yeah, so if it, let's say Lafreniere has 10 shots from an area where the average conversion rate is 71%. Mm -hmm. And out of those 10 shots, he only has five goals. But he should have, on average, 7.1 goals. Right. So his his goals ex goals above expected, uh, or sorry, his expected goals compared to his real goals would be a difference of two point two point one percent. So then, uh, that that would that would be a minus two point one percent for his uh, for his expected goals. But but it's just really measure and tell me if I'm wrong. It's just measuring his luck really because anybody will have the same percentage going into the that yeah yeah and and i think there's definitely some added some extra layers they could add to this metric but like who is the goalie in net for right. instance like what is the save percentage of the goalie from on shots from that same position uh but also is the player under pressure when taking the shot mm. you know is a, is an opponent on him or not um and something that that really doesn't it really isn't taken into account is how does the play develop? Because mm -hmm. if the play develops from from if, if it's a broken play, for instance, where the puck bounces off an opponent's skate, or it is a clear cross crease pass, I, I think those are still calculated the same way. So there's definitely a long way to go, but it's much better than it was ten years ago. Yeah, there's you can tell much more with the current analytics than what we that, that you, what you could ten years ago. You know, Valley was explaining it once in a post game, and I thought to myself, maybe I'm starting to get it. Mm -hmm. And the way he was breaking it down, and I obviously this is paraphrasing because I'm never going to be able to quote Valiquette, uh, especially like weeks later. But it was when we were kind of going in the sort of the the valley of our slump there, and he was talking about how uh, 
our expected goals were way above where we were actually scoring. And Igor's expected saves were way below the saves he was actually making. And the way he had broke it down was if you look at it, we're really, if you look at these analytics, we're really outplaying a lot of these teams. Mm-hmm. We're just having bad luck. We're not, you know, Igor's not making that timely save that he usually makes. And we're not, and we're having issues finishing. And then the human aspect starts to creep in where if you let that second goal in or you get robbed on that nice shot, now it starts to creep into the back of your head, um, snake bitten, and you start to spiral. So maybe you could use those advanced analytics to hold off on pushing the panic button. Yeah. Yeah, and and another thing, uh, you know, you, you talk about other things like personal, uh, personal issues that a player might have, you know, and and yeah, like Lafreniere, you can say he's unlucky, but at some point, it's no longer bad luck; it's just incompetence, inability you know? to finish. Yeah, yeah, he, he's just not using his sh- his shooting ability is not up to par where it needs to be. But there's there's so much more that goes into it that's not taken into account with these metrics. Like, for instance, if if a guy has had uh, a long shift, he's gonna be out of breath. Yeah. If if the Rangers have the puck in the offensive zone for a minute and a half and they're able to put to complete a line change, get fresh players on the ice, and you score from a bad angle, is that on the defense? Is that on the goalie? Or is it just a result of you pinning the opponent down in their own zone for over a minute? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, the thing about, you know, the thing about Lafreniere, and I agree with you, Stephen, at a certain point, it's no longer uh, bad luck. Mm-hmm. And this is something this this is actually a really good segue into the next thing we want to talk to you about, which is your your spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Lafreniere is somebody who gets talked about in your spaces a lot and his inability to finish gets talked about a lot. Um, but I'm not worried about him. You know, I. I played hockey. We all played hockey. I'm not sure if you did as well, Stephen. But in my opinion, everything but hockey IQ is a learned skill, including uh, yeah. including finishing. Yeah, like in, in in other sports, there's like I played rugby, for instance. Um, we we refer to it as a rugby sense, where you know you read the game a certain way, mm-hmm. you see plays develop before they happen, mm-hmm. um, and Lafreniere definitely has that, but. I think that Lafreniere has um, has definitely over the last six months has has taken big strides, but the first three years as a pro with the Rangers, it's just been a a, a collection of of issues. They they all contributed in their own way, and it's it's David Quinn's inability to use him in the right way. It's the Rangers not knowing how not not being familiar with developing a player at such a young age. Because the Rangers mm-hmm. just have no experience with that. It's also his own attitude and effort mm-hmm. that he puts into it. Um, and over the over the summer, we saw a lot of conversations about oh, all he's doing is drinking beer with his buddies and playing softball, right? Which that was yeah. the conversation. Which is pretty cool. Whereas <laughs> about Filipino, they were saying, Oh, he's working out all summer, he's gonna come back to New York and be a beast. Uh, and, now, now look, now look. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand how these narratives are shaped because people look at their social media accounts. You know, mm-hmm. Lafreniere doesn't post any any videos of him in the gym on Instagram. 
I'm not saying he has to, but as a professional player, you have to be aware of the perception. Yes. You have to be yes. aware Agreed. of the perception that you create, and you can create a perception even by not showing something. Mm-hmm. By not showing mm-hmm. you're in the gym, you are creating the perception that you're not in the gym. And then when you have a bad preseason, which Lafreniere had, the pitchforks are coming out. Because Ranger yep. fans are going to be like, oh, he doesn't care, and he only played softball, and this and that. So... If I'm a professional player in that position, I would probably be more aware of it and maybe try to counter that by at least posting one or two pictures of me in the gym. Yep. Um, I'm not saying players have to, but you know, players could at least take that into consideration. But I think his skating's gotten better. I think yeah. his overall game has gotten better and that his his hockey IQ has always been good. He knows how to find space on the ice. He yeah. knows how to be in the right place. Uh to put himself in position to score or to at least create scoring opportunities. He's just mm-hmm. got to learn how to finish. Uh, I told somebody today, Stephen, that I, I, I'm considering this, his and Kako's rookie year moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Look, and, and Kako is turning 23 this month. Yeah. Lafreniere mm-hmm. is turning 23 in October. Um, you know, Matt Zuccarello didn't come over from Europe until he was 23. He didn't become mm-hmm. an NHL regular until he was 26. And you know something, Stephen? These guys could tell you, I hated him. I hated Zuccarello. Oh, my God. He hated him. I hated him when he came over. I hated I hated him when they extended him. And it wasn't until <laughs> years later when I was like, you know what? I, he grew on me. Yeah. He, Matt Zuccarello grew on me, and I loved him. Uh, that's a really good – that's a really, really good point, Stephen. Yeah, it, just, well, it takes some guys and, longer. Look at JT Miller. It takes yeah. some guys longer. Exactly. Like, like development isn't linear. It's not a video right. game. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you 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 don't grow 17 overall points because you play 50 games and you score 35 goals. You know, right. That's right. how development yeah. works. It's different for every player, and you know there are players for who their rookie season will always be their best season. Like Michael <laughs> Delzado. Remember yeah. his rookie season. Oh, oh yeah, great season. Oh yeah. And uh, as weird as this is gonna sound, there's a guy in the Hall of Fame whose best season was his rookie season. Who's that? Temu Salani. Oh, oh wow! His really? right. season career high in goals and points is his rookie that season. Must, that must have been yeah. some fucking season. Oh yeah, nuts. He, <laughs> he goals and 130 points, but Jesus. he never eclipsed his goal scoring and point total from his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, he's he's remembered wow. as just like the epitome of consistency, not insane, yeah. you know, yeah. point production. So, uh, it's, it's, some players top out when they're 24. Some players hit their stride when they're 27, 28. Look at Martin St. Louis. Uh, Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. came over from the KHL when he was 23. Mm-hmm. You know, he went undrafted three years in a row. And then in 2015, he came over. And I think Artemi Panarin is going into the Hall of Fame because he is he is on pace yeah, to will. become the third best ever undrafted player behind I agree. and Mo. And you know, the last thing I'll say about this uh, before I turn it back over to Carlo is th- we can have more patience now with these guys. You know, with sports medicine, there's longevity in 2024 mm-hmm. that just wasn't there in 04 and 94 and 84. I mean, look at Sidney Crosby. I mean, yeah. twenty plus years. He plays like he's twenty five years old, and he's gonna. And he shows no signs of slowing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, a lot of that is his work ethic, but a lot of it is also sports medicine, and, and it and continues the, and, to get better. 
And the fact that they don't smoke two packs a day anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're not, right. No they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not yeah, they're not Ron Duguay, you know, yeah. at, you know, at clubs at Studio 54 with, with Clyde Frazier, you yeah. know. <laughs> so it, it, times are, times are different than they were 30 years mm-hmm. ago. And players have a, a longer shelf life, like l- longevity is definitely a thing. Um, I, I, but look, Unless Lafreniere and Kako turn into 70-point players, there's always going to be disappointment because they were mm-hmm. top two picks. But and, and that's that's the problem though, because you know, Capo Kako, second overall pick, he is a he is a player that any team in the NHL would covet or does covet, right? He's a phenomenal player. Yeah. He's a second well, overall and, pick. And... It's just the expectations with where they were drafted. Yeah. By the fan base's expectations are just completely out of line with what the purpose of that player is. Like every player fills a role. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's also important to remember that if a player doesn't hit his ceiling, that doesn't mean you he's a fuss. That, that doesn't mean you cannot use him. But is, yeah. is Capo Caco's ceiling, you know, a 50 goal score or is Capo Capo's Caco Capo's ceiling like a completely perfectly solid middle six winger who is responsible defensively and can chip in on the offense every once well, in a while. Well, look, last that's a, season... That's a valuable asset. Age, last season at age 21-22, he put up 40 points. Yeah. Without, right. without almost without any power play time. Yeah. Right. So most of those points come at even strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that fans also need to look into when they evaluate players. Because when you talk about the playoffs... In the playoffs, you don't get many opportunities on the power play. That's why five-on-five scoring is so important. Mm -hmm. If you look at the 2022 postseason where we made it all the way to the conference final, right? Uh, The highest-ranked Ranger in five-on-five production that postseason was Mika Zidanejad, and he ranked 50th. Wow. In five-on-five production for 60 minutes. The The Colorado Avalanche had eight players ahead of him. That's why they won the cup. Yeah. Because their five on five production was not just their top line, not just their second line. It was through throughout their lineup. And and five on five production for me means a lot more than a guy putting up uh, uh, a lot of points on a power play, which so is the... kind of why I prefer the Rangers to call up Brett Berard instead of Brett Arthur, but I'll get into that later. Yeah. Well, actually, so, it's perfect segue. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to touch on that. Uh, Going back to your, you know, your, your clear passion for for prospects and development, and um, you know, saying how, uh, pointing out how most of these players don't hit their stride until twenty three, um, so I want to I want to get a little bit more insight about it. Uh, so how did how did your your, I guess, your to be redundant, your passion for prospect development? How did this start? Um, you know. You know, wh- why did you start? You know, looking at the youth, is it yeah, was there so, was there a catalyst there? Uh, well, it was kind of just a, a lucky coincidence. Back in 2017, uh, the Rangers traded away Derek Stepan for the seventh overall pick in the draft, and yep. the Rangers had two picks in the first round. After they went four drafts in a row without one, you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, or sorry, 13, 14, 15, 16, they didn't have a pick in the first round. And some of those years, they didn't even have a pick in the second round. So there wasn't much to be excited about. But then 2017, they have two picks in the first round. 2018, they have three. 
Uh, and in 2017, I moved to Vienna, Austria for work. And the job that I got there uh, allowed me to travel through Europe a lot. And uh, I would go to Sweden and Finland and the Czech Republic for, uh, you know, for seminars or to give training to people. And this was the same time the Rangers started drafting heavily prospects from Europe. So it kind of lined up in that way that I could use these these work related trips to to kind of see our prospects in action live. And, you know, you go to these under 20 tournaments where there's only like 150 people in the stands and 75 of them are NHL scouts <laughs> and the other 75 are, you know, player families. And so you you start to talk to to people like Nick Bobrov and Gordy Clark. And I spoke to Chris Drury a couple of times at these tournaments. And you start talking about these prospects and you hear how, how they evaluate them. And it's very interesting. You know, I spoke to a couple of scouts from the Colorado Avalanche and the Florida Panthers. So that's how I kind of got more interested into it because the Rangers were going through a rebuild in 2017 already, even though technically they sent out the letter in 2019. 2017 is where they really started to focus. The soft game. start, yeah. That was the yeah, soft this... start of the of the rebuild, so so to speak. Uh, so yeah, I got to meet a lot of these players, and uh, there was one tournament where I made a sign for Nils Lundqvist and Vitaly Kravtsov, and <laughs> and uh, I think Nils Lundqvist's grandpa saw the sign, and he w- walked up to me like before the game, and he goes, "Ooh, uh, can I buy that sign from you after the game?" I'm like, "You don't have to buy it. I'll give it to you after the game. I just printed it at work. It's fine." And he's like, "Yeah, because you know I collect like all kinds of stuff about my grandson, so I want to kind I kind of want to show this to the rest of the family." And I'm like, who's your grandson? He goes, Nils Lundqvist. I go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. If you can if you can arrange for him to meet me after the game to take a picture, I'll give you the banner. And that's how it happened. And then in, wow. in Vancouver in the World Juniors, I ran into Vitaly Kravtsov's dad. Um, and you, you just start to interact with them. And uh, that's how I started the prospect interviews for Forever Blue Shirts as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I felt the Rangers weren't covering their prospects properly. And mm. still, um, so yeah, I, I just started to reach out to their teams and say, "Hey, listen, I've I've done a couple of prospects over the past few years. I really would like to get in touch with Zach Jones or Will Cooley, and and if they are open to do an interview, would you please let me know?" And you know, most of the time, I would I would get a response back, and like nine out of ten times, it would be positive. And I think I've done about 50, 50 prospect interviews since twenty nineteen. Wow. Wow. You know, I could that, I could tell you, Stephen, it's not just the Rangers that don't cover the prospects properly. It's New York sports media. You know, the local media in New York does not do mm-hmm. a good job of covering the Rangers prospects. And I think it's just because it's it's the Glenn Sather effect. Uh it's it's just because heart, you know, we had you're, no pipe. You're not allowed to for read so them in New York. That's the thing. You're not <laughs> yeah. allowed to read them in yeah. New York. Yeah. Uh you know, yeah, that's it's that's the thing, you know, the, the lights can't go out, even if it's for just a little while yeah. in the Big Apple. Uh, we there There is no, you're not allowed to have peaks. It's, I, I would it, even valleys, go it's always further. peaks. I would even go one step further, and this is a controversial thing maybe, but New York is not a hockey market. It's a sports market. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. Not yeah. a hockey market. Yeah. I guarantee I you, Braden Schneider can walk three blocks away from the garden and no one would recognize him. That's 100% yep. That correct. is controversial. That is no. controversial, <laughs> no, but you're right. It's not controversial. It's That's exactly not, he's right. <laughs> New York is just it, it might, populated it, it, enough to happen to have enough hockey fans. That's yeah, it. yeah. Like <laughs> if, if you look at Detroit, 
You know, hockey in Detroit is probably the biggest sport they have there because yeah. the Red Wings were in the playoffs 25 years in a row. They won so many cups over the last like three decades. It's much more popular. In Toronto, if you play for the Maple Leafs, you 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 cannot turn turn around the corner without people people recognizing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but New York, it's a big market. It's a big sports market. It's just not a hockey market. There's not like market. it's not like it's a basketball market. Yeah, you're it's, right. Yeah, like like Midtown Manhattan is basket is is basketball. Mm-hmm. And if you are a big Rangers fan, you 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 will recognize the players when they walk past you. Uh, uh, you know, like like four or five blocks away. But the average New Yorker. No idea. Would not recognize Zach Jones. No. Well, you know, New York, uh, New York at its core is a baseball town, and it will always be a baseball yeah. town. Yeah. Uh, the Mets yeah. and the Yankees are the heartbeat of that city, and everything else is sort of secondary. I'd say the Knicks are a close second, and then football uh would be a would would be third behind the Knicks. But football is only three months out of the year, yeah. so yeah. But, but even to Basically, that point. Yeah. To, for that point and to the original point, like the Yankees have uh, what is it, a, a double A or triple A club in Staten Island where they had one, the Staten Island Yankees. Yeah. Robinson Cano came up through that system and no one heard of him until he was on the Yankees. Nobody. He was playing yep. all over the, the tri-state area, playing amazingly well enough to go to the Yankees. And no one ever Nobody heard knew him. who he was. Yeah, so it's, he was it's just... he was playing six miles away in Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I, 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 to, I, I decided to cover them, uh, cover our prospects, and then during the pandemic, when when the NHL season was canceled, I started doing my daily uh, recaps and schedule tweets, where I post a schedule in the morning with which prospects are playing that day, and then at the same time I do a recap of the prospects that played the day before. I, you know, how many goals, how many assists, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what the score was. And I started doing that just because there was no Ranger hockey. And then the Rangers started playing again. So I I quit doing them for about a week and my, my inbox flooded. I I got DMs from people saying, where are the prospect updates? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I didn't realize people enjoyed them so much. So I started doing them again and I haven't stopped. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you get a, a DM from, from a uh, you know a dad or a sister or a, or an uncle from from the players that I cover, and they they literally just thank me for you know uh, like covering their nephew or son or brother because they, they just like seeing that that someone actually takes the takes the time and effort to uh, to put that out there, and especially with guys that are drafted in the fifth and sixth and seventh round, they they don't really they don't really expect that someone to cover them that closely. Um, when I interviewed Matthew Rempe, who we drafted in the sixth round in 2020, he actually told me that when he played for the Seattle Thunderbirds, one of his teammates actually looked at, looked his name up on Twitter and found one of my tweets and actually showed me showed him one of my tweets, saying, "Hey man, this guy tracks you like throughout the season. That's pretty cool." <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's that's nice, man. <laughs> that's nice. But I yeah, love Rempe. It's appreciated too. So it's uh, the, the the positive feedback I get is great. Actually, so, I love that so, kid Rempe. I got to see him play in Portland a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched him drop two on the Monsters a couple of weeks ago. That was a nice game. So yeah. I, I have a I have a question to to steer it back to to my wheelhouse right now. Uh, after being uh, 
veered off course by these gentlemen. I love them so much. Um, so out of, out of all the prospect interviews that you've done, um, you know, talking to these players, which one has stood out the most to you? Um, which one is maybe your personal favorite, you know, maybe skill aside, or if you, if you want to break it up into two categories, like I like this person's personality. I like this person's skill the most. Um, what do you got for me? Um, the most memorable one is probably the one I did with Brennan Othman because um, it was kind of rare for it to happen because he had already signed his entry-level contract. And the Rangers oh. are very strict about, you know, players doing interviews when they're already under contract. Um, but, you know, I've spoken to Brennan before that a couple of times already, and uh, he actually reached out to me um, like a few months after he was drafted because he saw I have his jerseys from uh, the Swiss League he played in. Um, and uh, actually have it here. Hold on. Nice. Oh, I've got a, I've got a buddy who's a sweet. I have a buddy who's a jersey head, and he would just he would kill for that jersey. Stephen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, he you said you're know, flying out to New York this weekend. <laughs> 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 the jersey stays here. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, he reached out to me, and uh, he actually offered to uh, you know, to to sign the jersey for me. And I said, well, like, I live in Ireland. I don't feel comfortable sending it all the way to Canada. And and then he's like, okay, give me your address and I'll send you a signed puck. And then, you know, when I'm in New York and you're in New York, maybe we can meet up. So That's in 2022, odd. during the preseason, um, he actually invited me over to, to meet him in White Plains. So we brought the jerseys over. He signed them. We took some pictures and we had, we had a great conversation. This was a couple of months after the interview. But the interview was really memorable because, you know, I'd already spoken to him so much before that. So it was very, it was, it was just a very relaxed interview. It wasn't really, I wasn't nervous for it. Whereas normally when I talk to these guys for the first time, I'm a little nervous because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sound like an idiot. You don't want to ask yeah. the wrong question. Um, so yeah, the Othman interview is definitely the most memorable. Um, the, uh, the other one that I want to call out is, um, uh, the one with Z with Zach Jones, um, because he actually uh, he he was actually visiting his parents, and he took an hour out of his day just to just to sit down and and have a have a chat with me. Wow! And I remember apologizing to him twice, like sorry to keep you away from your family. And he goes, No, no, no! I love doing this, and I'm you know really happy to do this. And um, yeah, and then. Uh, Adam Edstrom is another guy that I've been in contact with over the years, and and you know is he's probably the third one that that's very memorable uh, that I've spoken to a few times. And when I saw him play in Boston during preseason, I was wearing his uh, his Rogler jersey from his team in Sweden. Um, so yeah, he he noticed the jersey during warmups, and he just laughed. He's <laughs> and you know we, we spoke a little bit, and he's like, I did not expect to see that jersey here in Boston. That's great. He's a, yeah. he's another prospect that I'm just in love with i love when they call it when they call yeah. him up. i can't wait yeah. for him to get and, healthy again and you know when he yes. made his debut when he made his debut i got dms from people saying thank you so much for covering adam Edstrom for all, all these years because this guy gets called up and i know so much about him already mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know and, and people are watching the game with their parents and their dad mm -hmm. is asking them a question who is this guy and you know <laughs> they can answer all these questions because they they know so much about him so 
and that was kind of my goal when I started doing these these recaps and these and these, uh, these the, the prospect coverage to to get these names out there. And even if they never played for the Rangers, you know, they still deserve to you know to to have their name be mentioned uh, from time to time to have a well, good game. I think it's awesome because I I feel like as a Ranger fan, I I learn so much about prospects from other teams because they they get the coverage, and mm-hmm. you're really our only resource for Ranger prospect coverage. So thank you for that. But, you know, we think you're doing a great job. Uh, And, you know, we get to learn about our guys now. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it makes us more knowledgeable Ranger fans. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to a bar and you watch a game and Brett Berard gets called up in a couple of months and someone asks, who is that? At least you know who he is, you know, who he played for. And yeah, it's it's Brett Berard. He tore it up in the wolf pack. You're going to love this guy. You know, exactly exactly this is why he was the call up this time yeah yeah and, and that that's why that's why i love doing it you know first of all because i think these prospects deserve the coverage and second mm-hmm. of all because uh you know it's for fans like, and not i know it's not everyone's thing you know most people just want to watch the rangers and they don't care about the, the players in hartford they don't care about the players in college yeah but for the fans that do care you know i'm happy to uh to uh to put that information out there so well, since nature abhors a vacuum, I'm glad you've decided to fill this, you know, this void uh, in, in, in prospects uh, for, for the NHL, specifically the Rangers. Um, but so outside of like Othman and Peralt, uh, you know, is there anybody else, you know, maybe besides Edstrom um, that you're excited about? Um, do you think jury needs to hold on to these three, these three guys? Uh, who do you think should they move on from? Yeah, well, Brett Berard, I mentioned a few times already. Uh, what I like about Brett Berard is that uh, he gets most of his points in Hartford at five on five. And oh. if there's one thing to me that's important, <laughs> if, you, if you acquire a guy, power play production is meaningless. You know, when people talk about Boone Jenner, who gets 55% of his points on the power play, I'm not interested because he's not going to get power play time in here. We know this. Yeah. You know, Ranger fans know this. Anyone who we acquire is not going to see the power play. Um, that's why if the Rangers go after a center with term, it should be Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wild because Ryan Hartman gets 72% of his points five on five. That's important. For the same reason, I think Brett Berard is close to a call-up because most of his points come five on five. He plays the penalty kill in Hartford as well. He's just overall a really good player already at a young age. He plays both the left and the right side. Uh, the last couple of weeks, actually, Othman and Berard have switched. Berard now plays left wing and Othman plays right wing, which is uh, an interesting development because it might show that the Rangers are looking to uh, to prepare Othman for a call up on the right wing. You know, if Wheeler is not sticking around. Uh, but yeah, Berard for a bottom six role, if you need someone, let's say, let's hope not, but let's say Will Cooley's out for a couple of weeks. Berard should be the call-up because he replaces Cooley one for one, plays the exact same way, you know, never get never never takes a shift off. And uh he's he's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm so glad you said Ryan Hartman because I brought that I brought him up to these gentlemen and they were adamant about I want Yanni Gord. I'd rather have Yanni <laughs> Gord over Hartman. Well, <laughs> it's about well, for me it was a, it was less about the player and more about the price and we could talk about this more later when we talk about the deadline, but uh, you know, not wanting to not wanting to take a big swing on a fill replacement at the deadline. 
I, I think that's more of a, an off-season move. But we'll get into that in a little yeah. bit. We'll get into that in a little bit. So now, do you now speaking of Ackman? So do you think Ackman or Barad has a better chance of being called up, and you know, uh, before the end of the season? I, I well, they will be called up if there's an injury, and it depends on who suffers the injury. You know, if if Kreider goes out for a month, then you're not calling up Barard because Ackman would make a lot more sense as a call up then. But if it's if it's a bottom six guy like Pitlick, then you don't want to call up Ackman and put him on the fourth line. Right. You're call mm-hmm. up you call up Barard or maybe Belzeal, um, or or Edstrom. So it depends on which player goes out with injury, but I don't think we'll see a call up unless there's an injury because the Rangers have the Rangers don't really have a lot of cap space to work with at the deadline as it is. Um, so yeah, it'll depend on injuries, but it, it's nice to have some good options in Hartford for once because that's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Do, do I was arguing that... with somebody uh, after the last Othman call up when he got sent back down. Uh, they were sort of they were confused as to why Belziel wasn't the call up because he's having such a great season, and. In my opinion, I think the reason why Belzeal is staying put is because Drury is committed to a winning culture in Connecticut. There mm-hmm. hasn't been one in so long that he's committed to keeping a leadership structure there and a winning culture there. And I think Belzeal is a big part of that for yeah. these young kids. Uh, and I think Belzeal is okay with it. I think he's, I think that was part of the deal when they brought him on. Yeah, uh, that's, that could, could very well be the case. Uh, because they're already without Brodzinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you really want to rob Hartford of another guy who's carrying that team right now, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to leadership and experience? Yeah, I can see that. Do you, do you think that our bottom six depth in Hartford, basically, you know, affect the, the Rangers' bottom six depth, depth in Hartford are going to affect what we're doing at the deadline? Um. It's that that's that's a tough one to answer because, um, well, yeah, ever since Chris Drury took over, it's really difficult to to figure out what he wants because there's not much information leaking out of the organization. Right. So not even the beat writers know what's going on. Um, but I think with the way the team is structured right now, um, the best options at the deadline might be in Hartford, with mm-hmm. with with how the trade market has developed what's out there is Drury really willing to give up a first round pick for a guy who's going to play in your bottom six i don't think so. speak in my language well, steve well well apparently they're not going to give up a first round pick at all because no. uh only wants no came, yeah that guy well, uh, that was a yeah, lie I, I, yeah. I will say this about that that whole story right it was drager said that dolan didn't want the first round pick traded and then larry brooks came out and said that that story was was not true I don't believe Drager or Larry Brooks enough to discredit the other person. Right. The truth yeah, is no. somewhere in the middle. Both Brooks and Drager have, have broken news in the past, and both Brooks and Drager have missed in the past. Yeah. They don't, they don't have a track record where I believe that 100%. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, th- I think My, they're both right. You know, I, Drager was right, and then Dolan's social media team is like, you're getting roasted out here. You got to get Brooks yeah. to say it's not it, true. And that's that's also, that's also a, a plausible scenario that it's just damage control. 
here's what I think. I think that it's inappropriate for a mat for an owner to step in and tell a GM that he can't trade away a first round pick for that reason. I don't think it's inappropriate for Dolan to approach Drury and say, Hey, try to hold on to it. Cause we got this thing going on. I don't think that's inappropriate. If you well, got to move it, move it. But yeah. if you could hold on to it, hold on to it. It depends on because the it is a, yeah, it does Steven. Yeah. Cause it is a business at the end of the day. It is a business. Yeah. You know, Dolan's going to be if, on the uh, stage at the draft. getting involved in, in hockey operations, I'm not a fan of. Look at Ottawa, right? Yeah. Um, Brutal. The, uh, Eugene Melnick uh, didn't want Mike Hoffman traded within the division. So Pierre Dorian traded him to the San Jose Sharks for scraps. Oh, I remember this. Mm-hmm. And then an hour this. later, they traded the, the Sharks traded Hoffman to the Florida Panthers, who were in the Senators' yeah. division <laughs> for a better return. So, yeah, owners should not be involved in day-to-day hockey operations. No. They can ask, you know, they can say, hey, uh, you know, I would I would like it if you hold on to this pick. Sure, that's fine. Uh, I don't think Dolan is, is the guy that would give Drury an ultimatum. No. Like two, two and a half years into his tenure as a GM, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I so agree. I, I just have one final thought for you, Stephen, from, from my uh, my angle. Um, I want to know where you rank the Rangers prospect pool compared to uh, the other teams around the league. And do you think Drury's doing a good job as GM? Um, I That's think a loaded question. That's a lot. Is a prospect pool is probably a little like in the, in the top half, but probably the 10 to 15 range. We have some really good prospects, uh, Gabriel Perot, of course. Um, but what the Rangers are lacking aside from Perot and Hoffman, are high-end prospects. You know, prospects mm. that have the ceiling to become top six or uh, forwards or top four defensemen. That said, the Rangers have a good young core, of course, in New York already, with Kako, Lafreniere, Fox, uh, Miller, Schneider, Cooley. Um, so that kind of... It depends on who you still count as a prospect. Does Cooley still count as a prospect? I don't know. Um, mm. I would. That's a good point. For, for the sake of of uh, of argument, let's include all the players that are still on their entry level contract. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So Schneider and Cooley would then be still be considered part of the prospect pool. Um, I think the Rangers are are middle of the pack, maybe slightly above the middle. Um, and uh, drafting Perot definitely helped. Yeah. Definitely I agree with that. And then uh, on Drury's tenure, uh, I think Drury had the worst three months to start as a general manager, <laughs> as you can think yeah. of. Um, trading Butch Nevich away for scraps. Uh, sure. Signing Nemeth, who you then had to uh, had to dump with two draft picks to get rid of him. Uh, trading for Goudreau and giving him $3.6 million. Trading for Ryan Reeves. Um, yeah. Bad three months. But since then, he's been really good. His deadline acquisitions have been great. Uh, Vincent Trocek is the best contract in the league. No argument. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. You, you know, know, so there's uh, a five and, at the front of his contract. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. A lot of people think he's making six and change. No, he's no, making no. five. Yeah. The, the, the guy, the guy is a point, point per game player and his salary starts with a five. So yeah, that's insane. That's robbery. It is. It is. It's to me, it's, it's the best contract in the league. Absolutely. So, I think Drury has done has done well uh, if you if you ignore the first three months. I agree completely. 
I just can't get over the Butchnevich trade. I just I'm never, <laughs> never ever yeah, gonna get it, over it. The, the Butchnevich trade wouldn't have been such a disaster if one of three things happened. If they would have used the cap space to invest in a good player, or if they would have gotten a good return, which they didn't, or if they if they would have used the open roster spot for one of their young players in Kako and Lafreniere. Right, but which they didn't. They didn't. Do, which but they didn't, didn't do yeah. that either. Because since Butchnevich has been traded away, uh, do you want to hear the list of right wingers on the top line? Because no, I, I, I can not really. <laughs> like, uh, so there's VZ, there's Goudreau, uh, there's Hunt, there's Blay. Uh, then, of course, there's Kako and Lafreniere. But then there's Wheeler. Uh, we had Brodzinski there. Uh-huh. You know, it's that's 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 not didn't, didn't Colin Blackwell have a tour on that Colin top Blackwell line for a little for a little yeah. while? Yeah, that was before which never was traded away. But yeah, Blackwell played on that line too. I remember Kevin Rooney playing there for, for a couple of shifts. Oh god, yeah. Ryan Strome played with them for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, Nemesnikov. We've had a uh a revolving door of players trying to make that line work with Kreider and Sabanja. We just gotta split them up, right? Stop hugging. We're done. It's time, but I, look, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been I've been advocating for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Those so, two are better away from each other than they are together. Actually, here, here's a question. So you have a second line that works. Don't touch it. You have a third line that works. Don't mm-hmm. touch it. You can't put Kreider or Mika on the fourth line. You just can't. So what do you do? Like, well, I think Cooley is a better first-line winger than Kreider. So you put, drop Kreider to the third line. Yeah, Shots fired. If you look at five-on-five five production, it, it tells a story. Um, I actually looked this up yesterday after the game. Let me find it here. Uh, Mika's advantage at five-on-five. Five. So you know how, how uh, points per 60 are calculated? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Mika's advantage at five on five goals per sixty. He ranks three hundred and twenty third among forwards. Uh, assists per sixty. He ranks one hundred and forty ninth, and points per sixty. He ranks two hundred and twenty first among forwards. That doesn't include defensemen, you know. So it's not that doesn't include McCarr and Quinn Hughes. That's just among forwards in the league this season. Points yes. per sixty five on five. He ranks a uh, two hundred and twenty first. Uh, 220 <laughs> players with a better points per 65 on five than Mika Zibanejo. Yikes. Oh, that, makes, that makes me sick. Can we just trade Mika to any no, anybody no, on the no. West Coast? Well, uh, Mika Zibanejo has a no-move clause that expires the week before the trade deadline in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm, Let's send him to Vancouver. I got a couple there. things I want to talk to you about. All right. <laughs> Sorry right, to let, drop these bombs, but you know. Let me ask you a question that uh I've been wondering since the day you and I have become Twitter friends. And okay. that is how did you become a Ranger fan? Ah, that is a question I get asked so often. I should just I should just write an article so I could just you should, it should be in your bio. <laughs> it should be in your bio. I should just have an article that I can link to where the whole story <laughs> is. Yeah. All right. So I grew up in the Netherlands. Um, I was born in 1984. So I was not alive for any of the Islanders since Stanley Cup wins. Same as us, 1984 <laughs> kids, except for Dave. He's he's 83. 
so is it late 83 or early 83? Early 83, yeah. Okay, February. So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like in, in the early 90s, I was like seven or eight years old. Um, I would come home from school. Uh, school is out at 3.30. I'd come home at four o'clock. And there was this TV station in the Netherlands called Screen Sport. And every weekday at four, they would cover the NHL for 45, 45 or 60 minutes. And they would show highlights of the games of the previous day. So I started watching that and, you know, started really to get into it. And uh, on weekends, sometimes Eurosport would have like a live game. If it was an afternoon game in, in the U.S., that would be like 7 p.m. Uh, in, in the Netherlands. And I would sometimes watch it. And uh, so I got into it and eight-year-old me, uh, when picking a team, decided that the Rangers were an interesting team because they were the only team that didn't have a logo on their jersey. That's the reason. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Your old me picked the Rangers because I thought it was weird that they didn't have a logo on their jersey. <laughs> so who is your who is your favorite player or players, handful of players, like growing up in the 90s when you first became a fan? Yeah. So the first couple of years, I didn't follow it as religiously because I just started, you know, like I just watched like casually. Uh, mm. But um like the, the mid to late 90s is when i really started to get into it my dad would go to the american bookstore buy the new york post and and i would i would try to read and understand the articles and my dad thought it was a good idea because it would help me you know uh, develop my my english skills and i was excited because i would read about sports in the united states so uh the player that i uh that i really liked growing up was peter nedved Oh, hell yeah hell yeah that's dave's guy <laughs> oh peter man nedved, love that guy peter, peter nedved was born 20 years too soon his style mm -hmm. of hockey would be perfect for today's nhl absolutely absolutely yeah that was brutal when the rangers got rid of him oh my god i was so heartbroken nedved trade that's the worst to me oh. that's the worst trade in uh in in rangers history i know people argue uh middleton for hodge which is <laughs> Yeah. Every time you trade a player who gets his number retired by another team, you fucked up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think a, a lot. Another trade that people overlook because they won the cup was the is the Amanti trade. People yeah. forget um, actually, about that trade because they I won actually the had cup. a conversation today or yesterday about this. Uh, just because you win the cup doesn't make every trade you made a good trade. Right. Right. Exactly. And just because you lose in the playoffs doesn't mean that the trades you made were bad. Like the Yandel trade is still a good trade. Yeah. yeah the Tarasenko yeah. trade last year is still a good trade. Mm -hmm. What's not a good trade is giving up uh, Mike Gartner for Glenn Anderson. No. Right. Thank you. I love you, Stephen. This is, I, I, I just feel validated for the past 30 years now. So I, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, back in uh, when the Rangers were making their cup runs back in 14 and 15, um, I took my sister's kid, my nephew, Nick, I took him to, you know, MSG had the Rangers town and, you know, you can take the kids there and they get their face painted and there was veterans there and they're doing autographs and you could take, you know, you could put on the uniform and take pictures with the sticks. And so I take my nephew there and he gets his face painted and we go in to meet the players that were there. And uh, Adam Graves was there and Brian Leach was there and, oh gosh, who else was there? Uh, Ron Duque is at everything. So Nick Ron Duque is there. Uh, and then they're all just mobbed with fans trying to get autographs. 
and here's Glenn Anderson with not a soul around him. And I like, I'm trying to get out of there. You know, I've, you know, so I'm trying to convince my nephew that the guy he wants to meet is Glenn Anderson. This guy gave a speech after the second period of a third round game. I mean, the, the linchpin of the cup run, just the, it was all hinged on this on Glenn Anderson. Yeah, this Jesus. is the guy you want to meet. Yeah. Hall of Famer, by the way. Yeah. 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 Not a bad guy. He's actually a really nice yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He had a he had an amazing career. Mm-hmm. Just not with the Rangers. You know? Right. Like, right. Right. If they if they're like the Rangers have this this history of acquiring players two, three years too late. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if there's one player that personifies that policy, it's Glenn Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> and we've been doing Absolutely. it over and over and over. You know, 1994 created a trend in New York and it convinced Ranger fans that this is how winning is done. Yeah. And then Glenn Sather showed up and just, you know, down injected. On it just injected that trend with D ball, you know, with steroids and, and just quadruple downed it. And, you know, it's, we've got Yankeeitis here in New York, Stephen. We, you know, we, we think a GM is terrible. If every big name doesn't sign here, it's uh, everyone's always coming to New York all the time. What, you know, yeah, it's unhealthy. I, 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 I have I have bad news for New Yorkers. Not everybody wants to play and live in New York. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you know, New Yorkers seem to think that it's like the mecca of sports and everybody <laughs> wants to come here, but that's just not the case. Yeah. You know, right. A lot of players do, but there's also a lot of players who don't. It's yeah, you know, it is I'll I'll say two things. Well, you're definitely right when it comes to football. You're definitely right when it comes to hockey, but the Yankees is the Mecca. That building is church. And then the Knicks, the Knicks are religion. Uh, There, you know, I don't think there isn't a single basketball player in the country who at one point didn't close their eyes and imagine themselves in a Nick jersey. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, the Yankees and the Knicks. I don't yeah. follow basketball close enough to to even know what's going on with the Knicks. Yeah, those it's not those worth following. The, yeah, those are the only two teams that are that where where it truly is the mecca. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Rangers are, are, are not. No, no. You know, the Rangers are not. You know, if there were a team like that in hockey, it's the Canadians. Or yeah. the Maple Leafs. It would be more the Leafs. Like the the Leafs yeah. and the Yankees are pretty much in line. Yeah. Um, I think except- I think for mm. I, for European players, it, it depends heavily on 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 where their their fellow countrymen had success. Like mm. Swedes in Sweden, the Red Wings and the Rangers are more popular than any other team. I think that makes sense. Wow. Well. Henrik Lundqvist and then Henrik Lundqvist, uh, but Lidstrom. also in Detroit, you know, with uh, Zetterberg, and, Zetterberg, uh, yeah, Lidstrom, Lidstrom, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that plays a big role in the popularity. Um, I know the Penguins are are have a have a very big following in the Czech Republic because of Jager, right? Um, 
but like in in North America, like I I know that there are players who want to play for the Rangers, but you have to stop convincing yourself that the Rangers right. are the number one destination in the NHL. Yeah. It's not the case. It, I think we are. I think we're tier two original six. I think tier one original six is Toronto and Montreal. Montreal. And then and then the other four are tier two original six. I I, I would say I'd Boston say we're tier is three. tier two. Boston and Detroit is tier two, and mm-hmm. Chicago and New York tier three. Yeah. Okay. I okay. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, let's talk um, about current Rangers a little bit. Let's talk right. about some current Rangers. So I don't know if you've seen this. I mean, I've been in your, I've been in your making a lot of noise in your spaces mm-hmm. about this lately, and I'm all, I'm, I'll just say it to anyone who will listen on Twitter uh, about the deadline. I think that Chris Drury needs to back out of the center race completely. I think it is. I think the the price is just far too high. And not only is the price far too high, the talent is just not there. I don't think Adam Henrique makes us a guy like Adam Henrique. I don't think he makes us that much better than Johnny Bartzinski on the third line. What I think is that whether it's through the deadline or through Hartford or some combination of the two, Drury needs to go out. Well, first he needs to go out and find the next Vitrano. And you and I have talked about this, yeah, right? Don't go out to Vitrano. Get the next Vitrano. Get the next Vitrano. The guy who nobody knows about. Bring him in. And then shore up that middle six. Shore it up. Get us a couple of rockets, a couple of motors that are just going to skate and skate and skate and skate and skate in that middle six. And then maybe start playing with the lines. And let me get your take on this, Stephen, because this is what I had concocted on my pin board, on my whiteboard. <laughs> I would like to see Laviolette try Panarin, Zabanajad, Lafreniere as a top line. He actually did that uh, yesterday against Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Laviolette yeah. oh, did uh, everyone's fantasy. It was like, is the Laviolette grab he, bag? Yeah, midway I would like midway through the second, he swapped Zabanajad and Trocheck. Yep. I would like to see that. I would like to see that top line get some play. Then give me Kreider, Trocheck, and then insert a Tommy Novak or a Duclair type. Mm. And then give me Cooley, Brodzinski, maybe a Berard type. And then this is where I get controversial, Stephen. I would love to see a fourth line of VC, Goodrow. Kako. Not because I dislike Kako. I actually love Kako. And if you look at the minutes that that fourth line gets, it's actually our third line. They get more minutes than the Brzezinski line. I think that fourth line, fourth line would be a defensive stalwart. That's a line. You're up a goal in the playoffs. 45 seconds left on the clock. That's the line I want on the ice. Well, I, I think contenders don't have a fourth line anymore. They have two third lines. Mm. That's well a, put. Well put. Um, yeah. If you want to know my uh, my stance on the deadline, um, like like the evil inside me wants them to trade for for Adam Henrique because I would love to see the meltdown on on social media <laughs> in the Stanley Cup with Adam Henrique and Jonathan Quick. Um, <laughs> they'd have to bring in Alec Martinez as well. Oh, and and Tyler Johnson, and Tyler, yeah, to complete 
<laughs> but, but but what I'm hearing is, what I'm hearing is Adam Henrique would bring us the cup. Yeah. <laughs> On a serious note, I don't want Drury to do anything at the deadline because yeah. I don't think this core is winning a cup anyway. I I hear that, Stephen. I hear that. Because I, here's the thing: they they had their chance under David Quinn because they wanted a young coach. Then they wanted a coach that was more hands off. So they got Gerard Gallant. Then after two years, they complained that they needed more guidance. So they got Peter Laviolette. And even though they got they got the coach they wanted three times in a row, it's still the same shit. But it's 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 Mika and Kreider. This, it's those. It's, it's two. so much more than Mika They're and Kreider. True. It's it's Truba, as well. Um, this core doesn't have players with the mentality to win a cup. If you look at the players on this team, if you put them on a contender, they're complementary players at best. Yeah. If you put Zibanejad on the Colorado Avalanche, he will win a cup because he's he's playing behind McKinnon. The same way McDonough won two cups because he played behind Hedman. Yeah. The Rangers mm. just don't have the personalities you need to win a cup. And so those those personalities you cannot get in a trade. Well, you no. can get them, but the only times that has happened, a haul went the other way. When Matthew Kachuk went to Florida, the trade only happened because they sent a 100-point player back to Calgary. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. Who was the last player to put up 100 points for the Rangers in a season? <laughs> Yager. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's been almost 20 years, man. Oh. It's you know, been almost 20 years since the Rangers had a 100-point player. And I know the shortened seasons have brought Panarin of that twice because he was yes. on pace for 113 in back-to-back seasons. Um, point still stands, though. It's been 18 years since the Rangers had a 100-point player. You and I are definitely in agreement, and I, I, I hope that we are in agreement that the future is brighter than the present. Because I yeah, like and, what Drury's look, um, begun to do. Yeah, uh, and and when Drury uh, took over from Gordon, he inherited a team that he did not put together. No, right. Now, if you if you want to complain about Jacob Truba's contract, that was Jeff Gordon. You want to complain about Chris Kreider's contract, that was Jeff Gordon. Gordon. You think Artemi Panarin, regardless of how good he is, you think eleven point six million is too much? That was Jeff Gordon. The only big contracts he's handed out were Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox, who were both extensions. And those extensions came after the 2022 postseason, where they put up the highest point totals in Rangers history behind only Messier and Leach. Yeah. And Adam Fox is worth every penny of his contract. Adam Fox opinion. is worth every penny. The Zibanejad contract wasn't bad when it was signed. He just hasn't lived up to it. No. But right. at the time in 2022, $8.5 million for what Zibanejad brought was perfectly fine. And then you look at Shashjorgen getting 5.1 million. He won a Vezina. Um, the Goudreau contract, you could argue it's a bad contract, but if you replace him with a guy from Hartford, you free up 2.6 million. That's not going to fix our team. No. Right. The you problems know, I... on the team are guys like Truba and Kreider not playing up to their contracts. And when, when I mean, not wrong. when I say that, I mean with Kreider, I mean five on five. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even six point five million is not a lot for a first first line winger 
Um, but Truba for me is the guy that that really uh, that contract just looks bad because of how things have evolved. Because if you go back to mm. 2019 when the Rangers signed Truba to that extension, their depth on defense was Kevin Shattenkirk, who they were buying out that summer, Neil Pionk, who went the other way to Winnipeg in the trade, and Freddie Clayson. That was the right side on defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's what I see, Stephen. I see. I agree with you. I'm going to start by saying I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, here's what I think, though. I think if you could take a shot this year without parting with your number one overall pick, then you take a shot. You're in first place, third overall in the East, third overall in the league. You you have to take a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that making moves. Um but you don't they, you don't throw away your first. If they trade a first round pick, or if they trade away a guy like Hapokako, the player coming back should be here for more than just a few months. Yes, I I I would love to. See, if they're gonna get rid of a first round pick and and Kapokako or one or the other, I would love to see a guy like Hartman come back because mm-hmm. he fits this new Drury mold. Yeah. Uh, and, but what I, I see. I Go ahead, I don't sorry. want to Go hear ahead. about Kane. I don't want to hear about Tarasenko. I don't no. want to hear about <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about how Tarasenko can't even come back. Kane can't even come back because of the CBA. The CBA. Uh, well, no matter what Mickey cap- 8 Rangers says, they can't even come back. You know, they, they don't have the cap space for Tarasenko, and they're not allowed right. to acquire him on a retained salary transaction. No. So, well, and when people, people have asked me this, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know this. I always include a screenshot of the CBA article in question. You sent us a picture of the CBA. So people can read through it themselves. <laughs> well, my sources say that the CBA is wrong. <laughs> um, look, if, then you found some dodgy version. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what, what, what the reason I'm able to sleep at night, Stephen, the reason why I'm not, a, you know, just a sad boy all the time. Is because I think Chris Drury is uh, – I'm not going to say rebuilding, but he's definitely retooling in a way that I think is positive. I mm. see him, the work that he's doing in Hartford, the guys that he's drafting. Uh, I see a Hartford team uh, where that's building a future bottom six that's all spit, gravel, and nails, yeah. which is what you I, need. I can, I can also tell you that like from talking to Ranger prospects – four or five years ago and talking to different prospects like today, I can tell you that the, the whole philosophy, the whole environment in Hartford has changed in a positive way. Mm-hmm. The way they approach uh, the games, uh, the way they treat the players, um, they're actually doing post-game press conferences now. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't do those before. It's mm-hmm. There's a much more professional approach in Hartford now. Yeah. And I... Paired with the drafting, the type of players that 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 Chris Drury targets, I think that really is going to be the shift that this organization needs. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think we are going to make small moves to see if we can get a cup with this core, but over the next few years, a lot of the dead weight will start to fall off. I think they're going to get replaced by a lot of the gravel we have in Hartford in the to fill out the bottom six because the, the the thing is is that you have to build your own bottom six Stephen right that's 
that's the key to success. You can't be on the market buying, spending money on your bottom six. You got to build it yourself. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I know people like Jimmy Vesey, but Jimmy Vesey is the exception. Yeah. You, you yes. cannot, you cannot find three Jimmy Veseys in an off season and build your fourth line that way. No, no. And I think that goes to to the to the point you brought up before about um, the mentality on this team not being a cup contender. And I think the only way to actually build that foundation is with that bottom six core. And if we're going to rebuild that through our Hartford prospects, I think that's the only way moving forward that we're going to get a cup in the next five years is having all these young guys solidify, you know, the bottom six. Yeah. And, and if you look at the team right now, um, you know, we always joke about the fact that, you know, almost half the team has a letter on their jersey, right? <laughs> um, and as much as we joke about it, um, I see that as an issue. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. to me, that that is a sign that you don't trust your captain. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's a good point. And yeah. the problem with the Rangers is, and I don't know if this is true, but this is the feeling that I get from the from the players, from the core players. I get the feeling, and if if you guys have been in my spaces, you you must have heard this before, but I get the feeling that these players don't hate losing. Mm. They like winning, but they don't hate losing. It's a right. club. The They're hanging out. When they lose, they just shrug it off and go, "Oh well, we'll try again in two days." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not the mentality that helps you win a cup. Yeah. And, and um, this is going to be very controversial to say as well, but I'm sick and tired of seeing those hugs on the ice after. after oh, I hate it. When you, when you play the Chicago Blackhawks, who are the worst team in the league, like literally <laughs> last in, in, in the standings, you have a three, you have a two goal lead with five minutes to go. And you allow them to drag it to overtime. And then you celebrate an overtime win against that team with hugs on the ice. Uh, yeah. So that's no. Well, they gotta. That's, they gotta that, check. That if, sit well with me. They have Sorry. to check if their teammates are wearing cups or not. It's <laughs> yeah. It's the only cups they get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we um, talked we talked about this we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Stephen. Uh, we talked about guys like Herb Brooks, guys like John Tortorello. Guys like uh, Tockett, uh, these sort of sweat and blood on the ice kind of guys, and I think Laviolette is that kind of guy. Yeah, I think he he's, is. I think he's got that. He's, he's got. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. He took, he took three teams to a Stanley Cup final. You don't, you don't, you don't luck into that. Uh, right. And I think there is. I think there are times where he does beat the hell out of this team. We just don't see it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, um, but it and again, you know, when we talked about Lafreniere in the off season, this is the same thing. You know, we talk about perception, like the mm-hmm. thing I just said about mm-hmm. how like the vibe they give off for me, it doesn't mean that's the case, but that's just a perception. And right. it's the same way with the post game press conferences. A couple of weeks ago, Drew Dowdy, in a post game press conference, said. Um, some of the players on our team care more about their individual stats than they care about our team winning games. And that kind of honesty is missing from our team. When was yeah. the last time a Ranger was was brutally honest in a post-game press conference? Can't tell you. No. Yeah. Because Ten it's years. More. every game, more. right? More. If they win, it's it's just some rehearsed nonsense about 
uh, you know, uh, we won, we played a good game. There's not, if they don't yeah. win, gotta keep working. Gotta, it's yeah. The, yeah, we gotta keep working hard. We gotta keep puck, keep getting pucks to the net. We gotta keep moving our feet. It's the same nonsense every game, man. Yeah. There's never a, an honest answer to a post game press conference. That's why I don't watch them anymore. Yeah, same. What's you've, what's the point? You've completely yeah. black pilled me on the Rangers. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I'm throwing my jerseys away. <laughs> and, and, and when I say these things in a Twitter space, people sometimes come after me and say, "Oh, are are you even a fan?" And I of always you're respond. A fan. I always respond by saying, "If I wasn't a fan, I wouldn't care this much." <laughs> right, right, right. There's nothing wrong, you know. We've and we've talked about this before. There's nothing wrong with constructive criticism, even yeah. when your team is winning. Yeah. You know, a, a team can be eighty-two and zero, and you could still find things that they're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been my take though, that if my team is in it, if, if, if they, if they have a playoff berth day, one of the playoffs, if the New York Rangers are playing hockey, I'm, You're fired it's, up. It's, I'm fired up. The optimist in yeah. me sees yeah. here's, here's Jacob Truba. Come get the Stanley cup. I hear it in my head, echoing in my head. And that, you know, uh, no matter how, much the realistic part of my brain says it, we don't have that core, yeah. but you know, um, I, I know people always talk about like Stanley Cup winning experience, you know, Cup winning pedigree. Um, mm-hmm. I think Cup winning pedigree matters if you get the right players. If yeah. that person has something to do with winning the cup, when yeah. the LA that... King, when the LA Kings acquired Justin Williams. That actually mattered because Justin mm. Williams helped his teams win the cup. Yes. Right. Yeah. Barclay Goudreau on our fourth line. With all due respect to Barclay Goudreau and Sandy Glenn. Mm-hmm. Those, right. <laughs> those players were not the reason their teams won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. No. And no. if you go back to 94, and that is why I'm so happy I'm talking to people my age. If you go back to 94, <laughs> do you think general managers in the summer of 94 were, were queuing up to sign Greg Gilbert? rings in the room rings in the room man no no No, but you know in 94 they didn't they didn't need a guy to come in and win it for them that those guys those guys were there those guys were there yeah they did it with messier they brought messier in like a couple of years earlier the, they brought Messi in. If you watch the, the documentary about the Rangers winning the 94 Stanley Cup, they talk about how Leach and Richter, they were nervous when Messi walked into the locker room because he was such a huge personality. And all of a sudden, he was in their locker room. And this was mm-hmm. Brian Leach we're talking about. Right. If, if you, like, if the Rangers sign, if the Rangers acquire Nathan McKinnon, that's the cup winning pedigree that's going to help you win win a win the Stanley Cup, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the type of player that's going to help you win a cup. Nathan yeah. McKinnon. Uh, I think. I think we are uh, a year away from, or a year and a, we're we're a year away from, uh, one of the one of the big boys in Edmonton coming to New York. Which one? Uh, you know, honestly, I th- I know a lot of a lot of Ranger fans would say McDavid. It's gonna be Drysaddle, but I think I want Drysaddle. Drysaddle wants it more. Out of the two of them, Drysaddle 
is the he's the Messier. I, and, 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 McDavid is the and McDavid is the Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I love Connor McDavid. He's the greatest player on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know if, you, if Dry Sidle joins this team, he should be the captain. Mm-hmm. 100%. You yeah, know, a lot of the dead weight starts did, to fall off soon. And did you know who the, who the first European board captain was for the Rangers? Who? He was also born in Germany, though. Who's that? Walt Kachuk. Really? Was born in Germany. I did not know. I didn't know he was born in Germany. You're a bona fide Rangers historian at this point, <laughs> Stephen. You're a bona fide Rangers yeah, historian. I, I cannot tell you what I had for dinner two days ago, but this shit I know. <laughs> uh, all right. Go ahead, Carl. What are you say? I was I was gonna this is my last question. You know, and this is something we, we, we hinted at very early on, but we haven't touched on yet. What do we do about Wheeler? What can we do? I don't think Wheeler is on this team with the playoffs. So. Um, I think Wheeler, that you know, there's there's nothing wrong with the contract they gave him. He was bought out by Winnipeg. He signed a contract for eight hundred thousand, I think, mm-hmm. um, with some performance bonuses that he probably hit. But I don't. I think Wheeler is just cooked you know i think he's done yeah he hit a wall um, it's unfortunate but it was worth the risk well it's not wasn't even 50, really 55 points last year steven yeah. but to your earlier point a lot of those he was on that top power play unit in winnipeg last year and to your yeah. earlier point a lot of those came on that power play if you want to acquire a player that's going to help you in secondary scoring you have to find a guy that produces five on five. Yeah. yeah, you know, you've started to sell me on this uh, on this pull from our from Hartford. You know, the the answer the answer is here. I've always and Carlo knows this about me. I've always been a I'd rather lose with our guys than win with yours kind of Ranger fan. Uh, like I was heartbroken when guys like Callahan and Dubinsky got traded. Yeah. Uh, those were our guys. Um, I, so I've always been a, I'd rather lose with our guys than win with yours kind of Ranger fan. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I do think that some fans put too much emphasis on the homegrown aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and you know, for me, th- this is completely irrelevant because I'm not from New York. You know, I grew up in Europe, mm-hmm. but when New Yorkers say, let's go get Trevor Zegers because he's from New York, I'm like, do we really care where someone's from? No. no. He also, <laughs> I, I like really I, I like Trevor Zegers a lot, Stephen. He just doesn't, he doesn't fit the vibe check around here. Yeah, like I like I like Zegers too. I just don't like him because he's from New York. That's not the reason, right. you know. Right. I just don't see how he fits in on this team. I think Zegers doesn't bring anything that this team doesn't already have. Right. Right. Agreed. If that makes sense. I mean, New York I already Zegers, gets the media coverage. If you want to replace a Banjad with Zegras, I'm all for it. You know, yeah. kind of like the Brassard's Banjad trade, you would make mm-hmm. a similar trade where you get younger without losing too much. Yeah, I think interest. Like, I I don't know if if that's something the Ducks would go for. We would have to. Well, you know, the no. reason why the reason why Otto was so open to that deal back then, as I'm sure you remember, is. Uh, you know, they were getting ready to make their, you know, Bobby Ryan era push 
Well, they, mm-hmm. and they did. They, they were one yeah. goal away from the Stanley Cup final. That was a yeah. team with with Mike Hoffman, with Mark Stone, mm-hmm. uh, with Eric Carlson, uh, JG Pajot. Uh, was Alverson still on that team in 2016? No, no. maybe. I don't think no? so. Maybe. He retired the year but, before. Okay, but anyway, that that Ottawa team, they beat us in the playoffs yeah. in the second round. Yeah. And yep. they, they, like I said, they were one goal away from making it to to the final. They would have gone up against Nashville. They could have won it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I many, so many years we came so close. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think as a banjo trade to the Ducks is happening. I was just, I was no. only pointing out that if you're trading for Zegras. It it should it should be to to get your younger version of Zabanajad to kind of move on right. from Zabanajad, and yeah. and not you know completely tank it. I like Zabanajad, and I think at eight five, that's what he's at, right? Eight five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think eight five is reasonable for a two C. You know, I now think- that we're coming out of the flat cap era. I think the 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 thing that's holding the Rangers back is that they did they have have not had a bona fide first line center. They have not had a star center since Mark Messier, since, since Gretzky and Messier. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Did you know? And I might be wrong about this. Did Did you know that in the CB? I believe it's in the CBA that it says that the cap cannot go up by more than five percent every year. No, um, so the way it works, the, the cap is adjusted based on the revenue, but then the NHLPA, the Players Association, can use an escalator. They can they can uh, use an escalator to raise the cup by 5%. Okay. I feel like stuff like that should be common knowledge, and they just keep everything so secretive. It's so precious. Everything is so precious in the, in the NHL. I know. It's like know. the KGB, man. <laughs> it really is. It because really it, is. And this is this is the complicated thing about you know the business side of the league. There's the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement from 2012. Then there's the memorandum of understanding, the MOU from 2020. Um, those two documents are readily available online, by the way. You can download mm-hmm. them from the NHL website. But then there are the NHL bylaws, which are not public information. Now, there is a partial document of the bylaws, which is floating around online somewhere, and I can actually send you a copy. This document became public because one of the owners of the Coyotes filed for bankruptcy, and part of the bankruptcy court case was that the documents were made publicly available. One of those documents was the bylaws document. Oh, wow. And then there's the NHL transfer agreement, which, uh, for instance, it doesn't allow you to send a player to Hartford in the first year of the ELC if they were drafted uh, after the first round and they're not 22 years years of age yet. That's why Sakura last year could not play in Hartford. Yeah, that's yeah, that was that weird thing that happened with him. I remember that. So there's there's like that's four documents already that I've mentioned that, and I understand why people find it confusing. Um, yeah. Then there's the situation with the salary cap, how the salary cap is calculated with prorated cap and yeah. how does LTI uh yeah. how do you it? how do you accrue regularly versus how do you accrue with LTI? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I I'm trying to I, I try to like use analogies because that's the easiest way to get the message across to people. Mm-hmm. 
And um, like with LTI, uh, like compared to an ice cream stand, right? You get $20 a day from your parents to run an ice cream stand and uh, you use up $19 every day. So you save $1. Now, as you save that up, that number becomes bigger. Uh, so if you run that, that ice cream stand for six weeks, after five weeks, you only have five days left, where you have all this extra money that you saved up. That's what you could use after the deadline to maybe acquire a slushy machine, mm. you know, or you could maybe acquire a different flavor ice cream. Right. That's, that's how you accrue cap space for a deadline right. acquisition. Um, but what if in another scenario, you have this ice cream stand and all of a sudden your freezer breaks down, you don't have enough money to replace a freezer. You have to rent another freezer, but you don't have the money for it. Right. Uh, you pay seven, seven dollars a day to use the freezer that you already have, but that contract you still have to pay for, you know, there's no way, no insurance that covers it. You still have to pay for it. You need, you need $7 a day to get a new freezer. So your parents give you $6 because they know you're saving $1 a day. So they give you $6. They pay the difference. That's LTI space. Got it. Interesting. And the LTI space you can use. Yeah. That's you know? interesting. So they give you $6 a day to replace the, the freezer, but you find a cheaper deal. You know, mm -hmm. the cheaper deal would mm -hmm. be, uh, a bag of ice, you know, uh, to Tommy Novak. Yeah. Tommy Novak. <laughs> yeah. You know? Tommy Novak so, is cheaper yeah. than freezer. Yeah. So you get a smaller freezer and then the extra money you could still use for some extras. You can get some chocolate oh. sprinkles. Mm -hmm. or... Steven, I feel like in the off season, I could, we could have you back on and I could just ask you questions about the cap for two <laughs> hours. That's, that's how convoluted it is. We'll get on my board. We'll, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. I, I hope the analogy with the ice cream stand. No, it does. It makes sense. It makes sense because that's one of the more confusing things, how, how money is accrued and then how money, you know, how the cap is recalculated every day. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people on Twitter and they, and they get confused. You know, the Rangers only have X amount of cap space. How could they go get, you know, they only have $4.3 million in cap space. How could they go get these two players whose salaries add up to 5.5? Well, they're not worth the full 5.5 anymore because they're, they're only worth X, they're only worth a certain percentage of their full salary today well, you know, because we, it's been recalculated. More cap space against their to, to meet their AAV, right? The salary right. doesn't come down. It's the AAV that is yeah. Added. So it's, right. it's about it's about the AAV. Like the yeah. salaries right. are different. It's the right. the cap is the average annual value. Um, right. But yeah, look, uh, like in the off season, I would love to set up a two hour session where we just go. Over oh yeah, we could just we oh, could yeah. just talk about I, I the cap. Yeah. Getting that invite now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Stephen, I've got one last question for you. It is maybe the most important question of the night. It is a three prong question. Okay. Is the Super Bowl a big deal in Europe? If so, who do you got tomorrow? And what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs> um, okay, so the Super Bowl is not that popular in Europe. There are a lot of people that watch it, but it's more like the sports fanatics, you know? Okay. Uh, there are Irish pubs that you can go to all over Europe, and they'll show the Super Bowl. Um, but to illustrate how how uh, not, not popular 
American football is. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Patriots played the Eagles in the Super Bowl, um, where they had the Philly special. Um, uh, and I watched it in a pub in The Hague with a couple of friends of mine. And one of my friends brought his girlfriend to the uh, to the pub to watch the Super Bowl. The moment Tom Brady pops up on the big screen, she goes, oh, that's Giselle's husband. <laughs> That's 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 the that's, right. that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. So now when Travis Kelsey's on TV, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Yeah. Like there are a lot of people that that watch it, but uh, I think in the UK and Ireland, it's more popular than on mainland Europe. But it's mm-hmm. still very much a niche sport to uh, when it comes to spectators. Yeah. Are you a football? Are you an American football fan? Uh, I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan because right. uh, years ago, two of my friends told me to uh, watch a game with them, and it was the Seahawks against the Bears. And I kind of jokingly said, I will support whichever team wins tonight. Oh. The Seahawks ended up winning. And then I had to sit <laughs> through the uh, terrible era of J- uh, Jim Mora Jr. as the head oh, coach. Oh, boy. <laughs> now you're uh, stuck with them, huh? But then Pete Carroll came in, and yeah. you know he uh, he he left the Seahawks. Now he uh, he's no longer the head coach. But yeah, yeah, it was it was a good era for for a decade and a half. I believe it was you who said something on Twitter in the, over the last few days, and it stuck with me. And I don't think I will ever refer to football as anything else. Rugby. The musical. Rugby the musical. Yeah. Uh, someone <laughs> actually said uh NFL is like rugby the musical because of all the cheerleaders and all the music that's playing. <laughs> the and confetti and everything. Confetti yeah. and the rugby and they're, the and musical. They're, and they're all dressed up in pads and helmets. And <laughs> rugby the musical. That's yeah. funny. Um, yeah. anyway, the other two questions. Um I'm a Seahawks fan, so I don't want the 49ers to win. Um so fair I'm enough. Gonna, I guess I'll be rooting for Kansas City. I don't want them to win either, but uh, I don't think unless, anybody does. But fair enough. Unless Bane arrives and, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, uh, has the whole field implode, uh, I have to pick one. I'll go with Kansas City. Great. And then we'll the Taylor you... Swift song. I, I I don't even know Taylor Swift song. I'm sorry. That's okay. We'll let you slide on the last one. We'll just insert one. We'll use AI to put. Your voice, yeah. selecting, <laughs> uh, selecting one. Oh, um, I I know one Taylor Swift song actually. Mm-hmm. Um, shake it up. That's the only oh, one. Yeah, yeah uh, shake, shake it off. Shake it, it shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. So yeah, by default, by default, that is your favorite Taylor Swift yeah. song. There that, you go. That is, it's the only one I know. So that's my favorite. Taylor my Swift daughters song. love that song. So I, yeah. Well, I, listen, I Stephen. It. This has been great. You're going to New York next week for the stadium series. Yeah, Have a we're blast. Flying in, we're flying in on Thursday. Um, and then, yeah, um, stadium series. Hopefully, it's not going to be as cold as the Winter Classic in 2018. Yeah, hopefully. Because I ended up in the hospital with hypothermia back then. Um, oh, jeez. But that was the game where I met my wife, so it wasn't all bad. Um, hey. Okay. You know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, looking forward to that game. Yeah, well, enjoy your time at the game. Enjoy your time in New York. Uh, this was fantastic. We'd love to have you on again. We've I've learned a lot from this interview. That's for sure. Yeah, we definitely had a yeah, blast. Yeah, let's do it again. So, yeah. so Stephen, before uh, we wrap it up, do you have anything that you want to promote or talk about or just say? 
Um, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's statboy underscore Steven. Um, I post prospect recaps and schedules every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. Um, I do Twitter spaces during intermission. Feel free to join. And if you ever have any question about the CBA or any question about prospects, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to answer them. Awesome. Thank you, Steven. And uh, it's been a blast. We'd love to have you back real soon. Definitely. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Remember to visit our website, rangerthingspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, or send us an email, contact at rangerthingspodcast.com. For Dave Pacheco. Good night, Ranger fans. Good to be back. <laughs> we got to get into this next week. Brendan Lyons. <laughs> Good night, Ranger fans. I'm Carla Montanino. See you all next week. Well, I